Hello, everyone, and welcome to Movie Change Up Season 2. Did not realize my mic was way far away over there. Uh, I'm Joe Fricky. Uh, it's a classic, normal episode. We've been running a little bit different episodes, whether it's our Mount Rushmore, or maybe Watch Along, or any of our other options. Um, dumb pop-up on my computer that I don't care about. Uh, this is Season 2, Episode 9. Uh, we got Johnny versus uh, Bobby today. Uh, if you haven't watched our show before, basically what happens is me and, well, the two hosts get together. They find, come up with seven movies and seven rules. They give them to the competitors. The competitors have to figure out which movie pairs with which rule to give it the best reboot possible. Uh, Tristan, uh, you helped me compile this list. Uh, what are you thinking? How are you feeling? I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. After last week, I got kind of brutally destroyed. (laughs) So I'm excited to sit back and relax and get to judge Johnny and all those terrible, awful pictures that are going to come through. I'm sure it's going to be a seven to nothing game this week. So let's look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, it should be a fun matchup. Uh, We got two brothers going against each other. First up, we got Bobby, who currently has a record of one and three. Uh, How are you feeling uh, this weekend? One of the things we did switch up is normally... Uh, you know, the competitor picks what movie they want to fight with. Uh, but this week we're going to go rule against rule instead of movie against movie. We want to try that out. We've had a few people suggest that we should do that. So, Bobby, did doing it this way affect how you wrote your pitches at all? It did a little bit, but I tried not to, you know, change a pitch based on that. But um, I, I do have to say it, it, it is interesting using these rules because one thing you didn't say is we picked a lot of rules this time that we typically have thrown out or gotten rid of and they're kind of kind of our zanier rules which makes it a lot of fun but it also makes it really hard to pitch a good movie um so i'm really curious to see how johnny used his rules um and see how they match up rule to rule compared to movie to movie yeah and uh johnny you know you've been on an incredible unbeatable win streak uh you you haven't you haven't lost since the very first episode so are you afraid that maybe the change up in format could could hurt you um i wouldn't say afraid i'd say it might give bobby more of an advantage um because i think sometimes you know when you when you go movie by movie sometimes it does come down to well you had a good pitch and this person just kind of used the wrong rule so i'm interested to see how it is uh going rule against rule and i will blame that entirely if i do lose um other, other than that, I will say shout out. Uh, yesterday was Mother's Day. I'll say shout out to our, our mom who may or may not be watching. Um, but when I talked to her earlier, she said, I can only watch for so long because it seems like you guys are just fighting with each other. And my response was, yes, I will tear Bobby apart. So my dad said the say, same thing. I, I will have to say I am glad I did not choose make a movie as problematic as possible as my first pitch then. All right. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Yeah, let's let's wait until mom drops out after the after I right. rip you to shreds on our first pitch. Before we shout out to my mom who probably hasn't watched a movie in six years. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to my mom who probably might be watching Watches the show. Yeah. Yep. Spinner. Uh, Spinner fifty eight. Biggest 58. fans. Yeah. yeah. I'm like I was gonna say sixty eight, but no, Spinner fifty eight. Uh, she she's not that young. She's old as shit. You know. I was giving her credit. Come on. Oh, okay. Well, I've been nothing but nice to her. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so before we get started, uh, Tristan, do you have the rules there? I'll read the movies. I guess. Yep, I've got the rules ready for you. Like you mentioned, we had some pretty 
wild rules this uh, week. We're starting off with a pretty wild mm-hmm. one, and one must be set in the Air Bud franchise. <laughs> Classic franchise, that. one of the best. The next is turning one into a reality show, so you're essentially taking like the premise and the plot and adjusting it into a reality show format. One must be as problematic as possible, one of my favorite rules. One must be a faith-based movie. I know it's one of Johnny's favorite rules. Love it. <laughs> one must be cast with only dead musical artists and star DMX, because when he wrote these uh, rules, DMX had recently passed away, so we wanted to use our uh, dead... Uh, musical artist role, but we also threw in DMX. So let's see what you guys do with a starring role from DMX. But it turns out DMX is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to edit that, you know, yeah. update. Next is uh, probably the only easy one in the whole lineup here. <laughs> one must feature a DC villain. It's one that we struggled with before, but in this list, it's the one that's pretty much the easiest. Then the next one is probably the most ridiculous. <laughs> it's one must be a dad movie starring Tom Hanks set in the Star Trek universe. So you got like three rules blended together right there. I'm excited to see what they do with all these crazy you, rules. I, I know a lot more about dad movies than I do about Star Trek. So mm-hmm. I had to do a little research on one end of that, that rule. All right. And as far as our seven movies today go, we have Beverly Hills Cop from 1984, The Dead Zone from 1983, Green Ice from 1981, Heaven's Gate from 1980, Poltergeist from 1982, Popeye from 1980, and War Games from 1983. And one of the things I didn't say is this week we wanted to have some level of a theme uh, besides just going rule against rule. So we're doing movies uh, released 1980 to uh, 1984, 1985, and or yeah, 1980 to 1984. And then next week it's going to be me versus Tristan in the same rule versus rule format, doing rules 1985 to 1989. So, going to the 80s. All right, uh, uh, Bobby, what rule are we going first? So I'm going to start with one that Tristan did say is probably our easiest rule, and that is feature a DC villain. Uh, and I'm going to let Johnny go first. All right, and uh, that's one of my rules, so uh, I'll be judging this round. All right, and Joe, so you can read the description on this. I my Use a DC villain. I paired up with the movie Dead Zone. All right, and I did not have my thing pulled up, so... I can read it if you want. All right, I, it's coming up. I got it right here. Uh, the Dead Zone was released in 1983, it got an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the plot is when Johnny Smith, played by Christopher Walken, awakens from a coma caused by a car accident, he finds that years have passed and he now has psychic abilities. Heartbroken that his girlfriend has moved on with her life, Johnny also must contend with his unsettling powers, which allow him to see a person's future with a mere touch. After shaking the hand of aspiring politician Greg Stilson, played by Martin Sheen, Johnny sees the danger presented by the candidate's rise and resolves to kill him. All right. So, like I said, my rule is I'm going to use a DC villain. Um, I'll just read my pitch and then kind of give you my cast. I think I'll do that with this one. So, my film starts off with a man named Manny on a date at a carnival. On his way home, Manny is hit by a truck and his car goes off the road. Manny enters into a coma and wakes up to a nurse who is happy to see him awake and alert. He touches the nurse's hand and sees her trying to revive an older patient. When he is leaving the hospital, he walks past the room and sees the nurse performing CPR on the the patient, just like he envisioned. 
he realizes something strange must have happened while he was in the coma um, and has the power to see into people's futures when he touches them. At first, Manny uses this power to help people. He sees problems they are going to have um, and prevent those things from happening. Uh, one day, however, he meets a police officer uh, who is friends with the woman he is dating. Um, when Manny uh, shakes the... <laughs> nice typo there. When Manny shanks the man's hand. When Manny, <laughs> when Manny shakes the man's hand, he sees a future event of the officer shooting uh, Manny. So Manny goes home and is angered by what he saw. He's grappling at what to do. And in his angered state, items start to explode around him. He realizes that he has only just begun uh, to understand the extent of his powers. Um, the kind of final act is Manny visits the officer at his house and is greeted as a friend. The situation soon becomes clear to the officer that something is not right. Manny starts to uh, say crazy things about reading minds and uh, the coma truly awakening him. The officer reaches for his gun, but all of a sudden feels frozen. He can't move. I would not do that if I were you says Manny. What, what is going on, Manny? Who are you? Says the officer. My whole life, I could never embrace my true name, my true self. Now I know true power. I am Manchester Black. And Manchester Black then reaches his arm out, closes his hands into a fist, and the officer's bones crumble in on themselves as he is killed. So my dead zone is going to be an origin story to the DC villain um, Manchester Black. And um, it's not a super well-known character, so you can watch this movie not knowing who that is and they reveal at the end is more like the um i guess kind of like the uh split ending of like oh if you know what that means you're excited for it but if you don't it doesn't really affect you in any way um you just enjoy the movie and my directors um i went with people that can tell a good story and kind of showcase someone slowly losing their mind because that's really it's going to be like a psychological thriller of this guy gaining these powers and then dealing with what to do and becoming evil are uh, Severin Fiala and Veronica Franz, who did The Lodge and Goodnight Mommy. My lead, uh, which is Manchester Black, um, is Dev Patel. And the officer in the film is going to be played by Nicholas Holt. And Manny's girlfriend um, that he's dating at the beginning, and he gets back together with after his coma, um, is going to be played by Riley, Riley Kyo, who, or Kyo, I don't know, uh, who is also in The Lodge, but from Logan Lucky and a bunch of movies. Um, so that's my, my cast and my Dead Zone movie. All right, and uh, I just had a quick question for you uh, before I forget. Does Manny and the Cap know each other from before the incident, or? He can appear, like, before, like, they're at a double date in the carnival or whatever, so he thinks he's he's his friend throughout. Okay. But then when he thinks, you know, change, that's why he grapples with the decision when he sees him. Uh, there we go. Right. When he sees him, uh, you know, shooting him. All right. Is he British? Mm-hmm. He's Dev Patel. Yeah. Well, yeah, but the character I didn't know because he could play right. American. All right. Cool. Uh, Bobby. Interesting. All right. Well, for your description, uh, my movie is Beverly Hills Cop. Okay. Perfect. It's right there. So Beverly Hills Cop obviously came out in 1984, 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the plot is after his childhood buddy is murdered while visiting Detroit, Rebellious cop Axel Foley, played by Eddie Murphy, follows the leads to Beverly Hills, California, under the auspices of a vacation. He checks in with old friend Jenny Summers, played by Elisa Eilbacher, and starts to believe her boss, art dealer Victor Maitland, might somehow be involved in the murder. However, Lieutenant Bogomil 
of the Beverly Hills Police Department does not trust Foley and hinders his search for evidence. All right. Uh, so to start, I went with a director that I think has done buddy cop movies really well, and I love all the dialogue and all the characters he creates, and that is Shane Black. I'm very familiar with that um, genre. Uh, my lead, Carlos Alvarez, who is a uh, an actual comic character detective in the Gotham uh, PD, uh, is me played by Pedro Pascal. Um, I have two Metropolis cops, um, Terry Spool, played by Adam Driver, and Jay Marshall, played by John David Washington, who he's going to team up with. Um, my villain in my movie, uh, Calendar Man, is going to be played by Alan Tudyk. Um, my, the Metropolis Police Chief is going to be played by Russell Crowe, who has worked with him before. And then Commissioner Gordon, who is in it briefly, is going to be played by Walton Goggins. So my movie is going to be, uh, it's a Beverly Hills cop, it is Metropolis cop. Um, it is someone going from Gotham to Metropolis. Um, and so I have Detective Carlos Alvarez is a reckless police officer who gets the job done in his own style leading to a few clashes with Commissioner Gordon. On Christmas Eve, after a car chase involving some mobsters working for Carmine Falcone, leading to lots of property damage, he is threatened to be fired if he didn't change his reckless ways. After an old friend who was in and out of prison was murdered, he is led to Metropolis by evidence that the unknown suspect purchased train tickets to the usually pristine city protected by the Man of Steel. Uh, this is, uh, now it becomes kind of similar to Beverly Hills Cop, where he teams up with kind of the Metropolis police, um, where... They're not really sure of him. You kind of have that whole same ordeal, um, but ends up kind of teaming up with them at the end. And that is uh, played by um, John David Washington and Adam Driver. Um, basically, Superman and Lex Luthor have been missing recently. Uh, and the kind of plot kind of reveal is that Calendar Man is using this kind of vacancy to... Um, he, uh, um, he stole the his friend... Uh, Alvarez's friend was working for the Scarecrow and he stole some fear gas and he is planning to make his own kind of nightmare before Christmas type of scenario, nightmare, nightmarish Christmas scenario in Metropolis using Lex, using Lex Luthor's um, money and um, technology and the Scarecrow's fear gas. And we have Alvarez and his buddies um, trying to take him down and you have a fun kind of action movie set in the DC world. Um, that kind of plays out similar to Beverly Hills Cop, but you get the fun DC characters. You get Calendar Man, played by Alan Tudyk, uh, who can be pretty fun in that role. And you get a kind of, you know, uh, a fun buddy cop movie directed by Shane Black. All right. I like the uh, whole Christmas aspect that Shane Black always has. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Tristan, I don't really have any questions for him. Uh, do you? You guys went in different directions with your uh, rule usage, I think. And Johnny really went, like, I used the villain, and that's pretty much it. And Bobby went very much in on, like, the whole DC world. So I want to get each of your logic on that choice. I'll start with Johnny. Like, why did you choose to go for one such a obscure villain? I think it's an interesting choice. I'm not going to knock you on it. But what was your logic on using someone super unknown in your in your pitch and not setting in the right within the DC universe like Bobby did? I, I think what what excites me about the, the possibility of mine is, like, you guys knocked my atrocitous pitch because it was titled Green Lantern, and it was about a character that people aren't familiar with, and we haven't really gotten that hero before. So I wanted to use someone that I think is a really cool, underused villain, but if you call it Dead Zone, if you have a similar story of that movie and have that reveal at the end, you can tell your own story without needing to, like, be a slave to the universe, 
um, of DC. You can kind of just tell your own story, have that reveal. And then if he appears in the next, you know, Superman film, people are like, oh, that's the connection is that Dead Zone uh, movie that came out. I think that is a cooler, like, use of it, um, first of all, as a rule. But secondly, like, it, I made a movie that I would actually <clears throat> want to watch rather than having a million different DC characters and set it so much in the universe. So that's why I went with that way. And Bob, why did you do the opposite? Essentially, why did you make it like a very much DC movie with a lot of the characters we know? Because I think that Beverly Hills Cop is a pretty, it's a very fun concept. And I think that to, that's basically, you know, you have a cop from uh, Detroit going to Beverly Hills. I think the relationship kind of very similar to that in DC is Gotham to Metropolis and very well-known cities. And the only, and that's why I used a, a villain such as Calendar Man, who is known, but he's not the Joker, the Riddler, um, or very, very unknown like Johnny's, who I don't even remember the name of right now. Um, even if he's, yeah, even if he's played as a joke, people kind of know, like, oh, I get it, and it gives Shane Black the use to use his Christmas rule. So I think using basically, okay, most of the DC heroes are gone for whatever reason they're gone. You have Gotham and Metropolis, you get that dynamic, and you get a villain who can be just fun enough to be a, a DC type of uh, comics um, dynamic into it and and kind of the level of fun that Alan Tudyk can bring. And I think that makes for a more fun movie than uh, than what Johnny's going for. But I'll get into the arguments. All right. I'm good on that. You got any final questions, Joe? Or can we yeah, I don't really place? have questions. It's more of like I want you guys to defend this in your fight. Uh, for Johnny, more of what I want you to defend is I feel like the I am Manchester Black thing I feel like could potentially fall flat because it's such an unknown character like when that reveal happens that I feel like people will just be confused. And then for Bobby, I just want you to defend because I feel like your movie is plot-wise it stays true with Beverly Hills Cop but especially with like the title change and being in Metropolis and stuff I feel like it's a big departure from the first one and so I got guys just want you to defend that but we're at 19 minutes right now so at 24 I will stop the timer I think what works with mine yes it's a smaller maybe lesser known villain but people who know who he is will be excited um, and you'll, you might have like some fan theories or something come up before, but the other reveal I would have is you wouldn't have anything DC related, uh, happen all movie. You have this reveal, you have the end, you have him showing up that he's powerful. And then you, it would cut to right before the credits, it would show like the DC logo and then it would go to credits. And I think that would be a cool little reveal and twist. And people would be like, DC, like what? And then that causes like everyone on Twitter, like Manchester Black is trending. Everyone learns who that character is. He becomes more popular. You know, I think that's a good way to kind of do it. And I think it gives studios like more of a reason to showcase these lesser known villains um, in a fun new way that I I think uh, is smart because I think you could do that. And, um, you know, then you have them, like like I said, like appear later in movies. And then if people miss this one, they can go back and check it out. Okay. Okay. And then as, as far as mine goes, I mean, as long as you stay true to Beverly Hills cop is a cop from a, you know, inner city going into the kind of the kind of clean area that doesn't usually have a lot as much going on. And that is plot wise what my movie is. Um, You'll get that as soon as you watch the trailer that this is Beverly Hills cop set in DC. I don't think that um, that really, I don't think that really uh, is a problem with mine. I mean, I kept the plot relatively similar other than changing who the villain is. Um, and like the locations, but it is definitely Beverly Hills Cop for sure. Um, 
and then for for Johnny's, I mean, really, I, I think your plot works better if it was a more well-known villain, not Joker, not that level, but Manchester Black is definitely not anything. I think Joe's right. I think that falls very, very flat. But um, it doesn't matter if it falls. I but, don't care if but that it, falls but it's, flat. So, it's, but you're, I'm going to make a good movie. My movie itself won't fall flat. It'll be a good movie. It'll be a psychological right. thriller well, about this guy, and then you'll have it at the end. If you watch the movie Joker and don't know who the character Joker is, you've never seen any other Batman property, you watch that movie, it's still a good movie, and then you learn yeah. about him at the end. But, and yes, this is a lesson on right. guy, but that's Johnny. what I'm going for, rather than a convoluted shit pile like your movie. No, I think mine can be really fun. I mean, just look at the cast and look at that, but I'll get into mine more. But yours, honestly, you yeah, you made a movie that... Um, so Joker, yeah, you can say that it's a good movie regardless, but people go into it knowing who Joker is and it's, and that is one of the most intriguing aspects is how did this character, whether it's a different backstory or not become the character that you do know, um, your, your movie, it is. And it's one of the reasons that it made a billion dollars and it's well done. Johnny, let me speak for just a second on it. People are excited to see the Joker was because of the cast and they nailed the trailer. Like when they said, we're doing an origin story of this well-known character, people were like, that's a terrible idea. Like I'm a huge Joker fan. And I thought that was like, that sounded like it was going to be the worst movie ever made. I was like, I don't need to see an origin of this character. That's huge. And then they just went such a different direction with it and got, and basically that whole movie works because Joaquin Phoenix is really good. But like, I think the origin aspect of that movie is actually it's weakest because you know so much about the character already. Like I don't need his origin story. I want an origin story for a character. What I'm getting at is, you're you're going for at least some level of a reveal in the movie of who he is. And in the theater, which is what I most care about while watching a movie, not necessarily what people look at on social media afterwards, that moment is gonna be very flat. And like even if they're enjoying it up to that point, that point's going that that moment's gonna be like, Wait, who is this? And why do I care that he named himself Manchester Black? And we like it might be a pretty like decent character they don't, but like, watch you, go crazy but they don't need like, to react like they don't need to cheer for it like it's not a moment for that it's just revealing yeah. who the character is right if you don't just, know who the character you, is it does not affect your viewing of all right I, I, I got this way. point i'm all right with all right. this point move on to something right. else so, so to defend because i think you're you're trying to say mine is is a mess of a movie but i think you have really so the character dynamics between three basically buddy cop characters so you have pedro pascal you have Adam Driver and John David Washington. I think that Adam Driver shown because he's going to be kind of the gumpy, goofy guy, and he can play that really well, as you've seen in Logan Lucky. He can do that perfect, and that's kind of One other minute. than the southern, other than the southern accent. That's what I'm going for with his character. You have John David Washington, who's going to be kind of the bad cop-ish type guy, where he's kind of a little bit more serious. And then you have Pedro Pascal, the kind of, um, you know, what he can do a lot of different levels of of acting. He can he's going to be very charismatic. He's going to be. The, I'm going to do whatever, get the job done however I want it. And I think his interaction with those two is going to be fantastic. I think anytime you cut to Alan Tudyk doing anything, he's going to be entertaining. And especially with Shane Black's dialogue, you have Russell Crowe as the as the um, chief. And I think him yelling at these guys uh, as they you know, break the rules of Metropolis and do things that aren't usually done will be fun. Um, and again, it's just it's a more fun movie. And I think that yours is a, maybe it's an okay character piece, but the... I don't think you chose the right character for it, and I don't but, think that okay. the reveal works. Because we, we probably have 30 seconds left. I'm gonna get yeah, we have like five mine, seconds. But... Mine is a DC villain that, yes, is obscure, but the movie, that's just the rule. You have to have a DC villain in it, but it's about the actual reboot of the film. Mine makes sense as a dead zone movie. It sticks to the same type of mine. plot, a lot of events. Yours is literally called 
Beverly Hills Cop and you live in a world where Beverly Hills does not exist. It's Metropolis and Gotham. They're two different cities. So your yeah. title needs you do that to be all changed. Right. I've already Wait, sense. hold on. No. We do that all I'm the time. Your it's really cool. We do it talking. all the time. Yeah, all right. Okay, I, cool. I, no, I, mean, I think I have my you mind. You need to change the, the name of the movies. I lost my Green Lantern pitch because I stuck to the name like we are supposed to do. You did not pitch a Beverly Hills Cop movie just because it's a buddy cop movie. Not one person watches your movie and thinks, oh yeah, like, this is basically um, like I don't see Pedro Pascal really showcasing. I honestly don't understand that argument. The different personality yeah, of all I the really characters. Don't. You, um, I already have my mind made up. It, so I don't care. But I got to say one last thing because I didn't get to it. Um, but Bobby's movie showcases what fails in all these superhero movies. It's like, hey, we're gonna make a movie in the Batman universe, but strip away all the interesting characters. We're gonna make Gotham. We're gonna make a failed Af- Alfred show. We're gonna make a failed. Jim Gordon show. Bobby's movie is just all those put in, a movie, in cinematically, and I think they've already proven that that has failed. And mine is something new that we don't know will work or not, but I think could. All right, Tristan, what are your thoughts? Joe, you're muted. I was close at the beginning, and I was going back and forth a bit in the arguments, but I ultimately do think that uh, Bobby won me over over the discussion. I think that Johnny's sounds theoretically good but i just think there's a couple of changes you could have made to really make it like 100 percent perfect i think he could have he's mentioned like oh there's no hints of dc at all throughout the movie i think it could have been a bit better if he built up a bit throughout the movie towards this reveal and then maybe you don't know who the character is but you can get these dc connective tissues and you can feel like you're part of the mystery in that regard and then you go on twitter and you find out oh that's who this guy is or whatever at the end but I think if you're going to go with an obscure villain like that, you have to be able to plant seeds for like the the normies who are not going to know who that guy is and they're going to just want to watch this and slowly figure out the mystery of the DC villain. I think that Bobby uses the premise of Beverly Hills Cop and I think applies it interestingly to the DC uh, world. At first, I was a little put off by how much he leaned into the DC universe and didn't just use a villain, but I think he, he did it interestingly. I like his cast a lot. I think I would love to see them interact on screen together. So I'm leaning towards Bobby here on this one, but it's not a runaway. I think Bobby just did a bit better job here. Bobby didn't even make a Beverly Hills Cop movie for sure. Yeah, to I me it was. Saying that honestly, personally, to, to me it was called Beverly Hills Cop. To me it was uh, very uh, close. Uh, my th- my problem with uh, Johnny is just, uh, a lot like Tristan said. Is I feel like the connective tissue and stuff I would have liked more. It doesn't have to be, like, it's full on uh, like Bobby's was, but just, like, a little drops and teases throughout. Uh, and I disagree with Johnny's argument that the reason, like, Joker was so beloved and made so much money was because of the cast and the story. I think, I mean, having Joker's name blasted across is why otherwise Nightcrawler would have also been, like, a $700 million movie in a lot of Well, obviously movies. that's why it made some money. Yeah, but, I mean... But I'm saying the reason the film was good was because of the cast. Yeah. That was my argument. Okay, but my thing is, is I feel like Bobby's is just, my problem with Bobby's is it felt a lot like Beverly Hills Cop, and it was just, I was questioning why, like it was Metropolis, like why he didn't go from Gotham to LA, but that was really my big knock on the movie, but I understand kind of why he did what he did, and Johnny's to me, it was just too, it wasn't confusing, but it was just like, as a DC movie, I feel like people just aren't going to be interested. Like, it might be solid, it might be fine, but I just don't know if anyone will care as far as, like, a Dead Zone reboot. Yeah, because I made mine for Dead Zone. 
all five of them. But at the end of the day, it's about what movie I'd be more interested in seeing and which movie, uh, you know, I have the chance to see uh, Johnny's Dead Zone or Bobby's Beverly Hills Cop, and I'm going to go with Bobby's Beverly Hills Cop. And so that's my vote. Terrible decision. And we do have the only one I get or not. We do have some live comments. Uh, Spinner fifty eight says she likes uh, Johnny's idea, and at one point, uh, uh, the villains were all well known, which is true. But mostly, they were known when they were put in movies, which isn't really why I knocked Johnny's down. And then she says, uh, and then uh, Paul says, I agree with Spinner. At some point, we were introduced to each character, and then uh, Paul says, saying a character is unknown isn't relevant, but. My, my true. thing with it is this, which pisses me off when people do this, because if I'm a judge, I will always knock you for it. Our job is to reboot a specific movie, and if you change that movie entirely to a different title and something else, I don't care how similar it is to the original movie, you cannot call Bobby's movie Beverly Hills Cop, so therefore it is not a reboot of that movie. So yeah. by and I just disagree on that entire premise of yeah. our show. I, I yeah, just title that remakes all the time. Like yeah. every every time yeah. we do this, then I'm just gonna fucking rename every movie and make them make them different. Make we it do it every once in a while. It's the only movie I did that with. It's and but it, it's we do that like once maybe per episode and it works. There's a reboot of The Longest Yard that focuses that soccer instead of football and it's called Mean Machine, but it's still 100 percent a reboot of The Longest Yard. Like yeah. That happens all the time. Things are rebooted mm. with different titles all the time. It's just because Beverly Hills doesn't exist, I just had to change what city, and there we go. But, but yeah, that's yeah. a big fucking difference. God damn it! All right, all right. Uh, Johnny, Johnny, you're, um, Johnny, you lost. Where are we going? <sighs> or what rule are we going with? I guess. Fuck it. We'll just jump right into it. I'm gonna go with one must be a dad movie starring Tom Hanks that takes place in the Star Trek universe. Thank you, Tristan. Uh, no, thank you, thank you, me. Oh, I thought that was maybe wow. a collab because yeah, no. I thought it might. I figured the first half was a collab, but we'll give it to Jeff. It, it, I came up with we needed to separate it out by three and three, and I came up with two thirds of it, so I, I just took it over. Well, I thank Tristan because I could have easily done a dad movie with Tom Hanks and then Tristan <laughs> made it more difficult with its Star Trek in it. I think I'm the one that put Star Trek on there. Oh, well, then fuck you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I'll make Bobby go first, I guess. All right. Bobby, what movie are you doing? Uh, I chose Green Ice, so we're, good. we're going All right. there. All right. Green Ice got a 47% on Rotten Tomatoes based on audience because there was no critic score listed, so I had to go with the audience score. Uh, it came out in 1981, and it's about an electronics expert played by Ryan O'Neill and a socialite played by Ann Archer who plan to rob a Colombian emerald magnet by a hot air balloon. Classic movie that everyone loves and everyone's seen. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hundreds of times. All right. So to start out, my movie is directed by someone who we've mentioned a million times makes dad movies, and that is James Mangold. And part of that is because he does do well in franchises, as, we, as we've seen with Logan. I think he can jump in to the Star Trek universe and actually make a good movie that, of course, dads will love because of uh, kind of the casting and where I go with it. But my um, Tom Hanks is playing. I have Captain James Flanagan. I have Hugh Jackman uh, is going to be in half Romulan second in command named Jerrell. Uh I have another member on the crew is going to be Jennifer Gardner, who dad's always love from the show alias uh who's gonna be a warrior specialist on the crew 
Um, Stellan Skarsgård is going to be a medic. Um, one of the locals on this planet they're going to to help out is going to be played by Liam Neeson as kind of the lead from that planet. Um, and then the villain is going to be played by Jeremy Irons. So aging Captain Jack Flanagan on one of his last missions, he and his crew are on a mission to deliver medication to a nearby, uh, to a needy planet and receive, and then, but suddenly receive a distress call from a planet nearby that one. They feel it is their duty to investigate and help out. As they approach the planet, their ship loses all power and crash lands into the sea. There they are rescued by a sailboat captain by Liam Neeson's character. This planet has a planet-wide EMP in effect, knocking out all technology. The main bad guy sells ships um, and weapons made useless by the EMP on Star Trek's version of the black market to people on the outside. Um, they have to use a hot air balloon, old school weaponry, um, to break in and destroy the EMP in order to escape and free the planet. Um, they use swords and other man-made weapons. Uh, they free the planet from the EMP with the warning that they that it could cause other power problems on the planet as they kind of re-integrate uh, back into the real world. Um, but they say they're okay. They'll, they gave them a comm to their ship to let them know if there's any assistance, and they fly off. So you have Star Trek stuff where they have a one-off mission where they save some type of people and planet. You have an aging kind of captain in his last kind of one of his last missions with kind of the dad stuff going on. You got the old school weaponry and stuff. Dad's like a lot of good cast members and a solid director. All right. Well, I only have one question. Are you, maybe I'm just like, uh, Bobby, you know, what, what does this have to do with green ice? It's a hot air. They use a hot air balloon as a heist because they're, they're sneaking into a building. So a green ice is a hot air balloon heist movie. So they are using right. a hot air balloon to sneak I into Yes. Right. That, so, so that's their their because I'll get into why I didn't want to make a, a long ass pitch, but they <laughs> they won't expect a air assault because there's no ships available. So they use a hot air balloon as the main means as their um, transportation to get into the top of the tower that is holding it to basically perform a heist to get this EMP. All right, and then my other question was: Are you a Futurama fan? Because the name. I assume you made up the name Jack Flanagan. It sounds a lot like yes. Zach Flanagan from Futurama. It does. I, I love uh, that might have been just kind of inherently in my brain because I love yeah. Futurama, but it was not on purpose. All right. As soon as you said Jack Flanagan is like the captain, I'm like, is that a play yeah. on Zach Flanagan? But it is right. not a not not purposely. All right. Might as well. All right, uh, Johnny. What movie did right. you tackle? I chose War Games. All right, War Games, uh, classic movie from 1983, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it's about high school student David Lightman, played by Matthew Proderick, who unwittingly hacks into a military supercomputer while searching for new video games. After starting a game of global thermonuclear war, Lightman leads the supercomputer to activate the nation's nuclear arsenal in response to his simulated threat as the Soviet Union. Once the clueless hacker comes to his senses, Lightman, with the help of his girlfriend, played by Ali Sheedy, must find a way to alert the authorities to stop the onset of World War Three. It sounds like something that would happen in 2020. Yeah. It's 2021, yeah, but yeah. It's actually You're right. Well, we're halfway through the second one already. <laughs> the sequel. Um, <laughs> Alright, so I went kind of a different direction. Plot-wise, I kept it similar to War Games in the opening, and then I went in different directions. So obviously this is a dead movie starring Tom Hanks. Um, I'll do my pitch and tell you my my cast because it'll make more sense after you know the pitch. All right. So the the film 
opens with a game of chess between Spock and a supercomputer. It also cuts to a group of people watching from a room with monitors. They are discussing how if Spock's plan does not work, the machine will set off nuclear-level weapons, destroying major cities in the Galactic Federation of Planets. Spock is having a conversation with the machine, going back and forth on ethics and uncertainty uh, versus perceived certainty. The game of chess ends in a draw, just as Spock intended. This shows the machine, the Falcon, uh, that setting off nuclear devices will only ever end in the draw, and the machine cannot be certain of the perceived outcome. Um, the Falcon agrees with Spock and shuts down the men watching cheer. Cut to one month later, a, a man is on trial for creating the Falcon. Tom Hanks plays the prosecutor in the space court. Um, the movie plays out as an intergalactic legal drama with the man on trial for creating the Falcon, and he's making the case that it was never intended to cause harm to anyone. He designed it to protect the universe. And the real drama of the film is brought in because the prosecutor is also the father of the man being put on trial. Um, so mine's quite literally a dad movie. Um, and there's no better director for a dad movie than Ron Howard. I know we, we mentioned James Mangold, like, but James Mangold, maybe half of his movies are dad movies and the rest are not for dads. Like, well, I'm not going to tell you that Logan is a fucking dad movie. So my director is Ron Howard. He makes only dad movies. Um, that's why Joe loves Solo so much. And my Spock, I'm going to keep it as Zachary Quinto. Um, he's only in it for the opening scene. My voice of the Falcon is Matt Damon. Um, my The man who created the Falcon is going to be played by Colin Hanks, because obviously my prosecutor is Tom Hanks. So you get some Not real Chet Hayes? You lose. Not Chet Hanks or Chet <laughs> Hayes, whatever he wants to go by. Um, what boy summer, my judge, baby? Yeah, goddamn. My judge is Alan Arkin. My prosecution team, um, besides Tom Hanks, are going to be Mark Rylance and Julia Roberts. And the lead lawyer uh, for the defendant is going to be played by Ted Danson. So I think my cast is uh, perfect for dad movies. There's nothing more dad movie than a legal drama. Um, and you set that in the Star Trek universe and connect it to war games. I think that all um, makes sense. And I changed the tic-tac-toe to chess because I feel like that... Um, Whatever that show on Netflix with chess is huge with dads. So I went with it. the Queen's I don't know Gambit. That, I don't know if that's yeah. a big dad oh. show. But... I think it is. I, I, I think, I think, I mean, because I think that dads like watch a lot of the shows on Netflix just based solely on our parents. Um, and that was like the biggest hit on Netflix. So like, I've never seen it. Don't care about it. But like, I feel like that's like a mom and dad sit down together. They're retired and they watch Queen's Gambit type yeah. show. So chess is the hotness right now. All right, so it's just regular chess? It's like computerized chess, basically. But it's okay. Spock having a conversation with the machine. And everything's like Star trek There's aliens. Okay. It's, like on the Millennium, it's like on the Millennium Falcon. There's a chessboard. There's little things. Okay. Whatever. Okay. And sure, whatever. I don't know. There's aliens. There's Borgs, yeah. probably. All right. Uh, so, so But like, they'll all be represented. And the jury will be a different species of aliens. I love how you knocked Bobby for changing a little bit of green ice when your war games is more of like, what if Star Trek made it's a sequel? After, mine, mine is the aftermath. I'm not, of I'm not knocking war. you. I'm just saying you were knocking him for maybe having not enough green ice when yours is basically more of like a Star Trek <laughs> well, sequel. Uh, it's, only, it's only because I missed the entire heist thing. Cause I was writing oh. other stuff and I was okay. like, wait, I don't even know why this is titled green ice. I missed the, Hot air balloon. I missed that it was a heist, yeah. and I only got the, and the, and the, the planet. I, 
Right. And then what, what I was getting at, what, but I forgot to say also, I made it green ice just because you can make um, Star Trek things. So it's very, like the planet is uh, very, it, it has a lot of like the green ice type kind of oh. symbols and stuff right, in yeah. it. So it's like they're yeah. on the planet. It's green but ice. But they're not yeah. stealing green ice like the like the original plot though. All right. So yeah. what I stand by that. I, I don't care about that. Uh, Tristan, any questions for them or should I let them fight? Because I'm leaning a certain way already right now. Uh, I'm leaning a certain way, but I do want to let them fight. I think they both went. Well, in yeah, I'm gonna directions. let them fight. I didn't know if you had questions. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much questions as much. I just want to hear them fight because they went in two very different directions with Star Trek. Bobby went for more of like the action adventure kind of side of Star Trek, and then Johnny went for like the theoretical yeah. kind of side of Star Trek, like the measure of a man kind of style of Star Trek. So I'm curious. Just I want to hear what their arguments are going to be against each of their uh, movies. So I'm just ready to hear them fight. All right, yeah, we're at 41.32 right now, so at whatever, 46.32, I'm going to definitely make sure to cut you off so we don't run for three hours this time. So, yeah, fight it out. You start, right. Yeah, I'll start. Um, as far as – I'm going to start on the Star Trek front. I think we kind of did a mix because it's like you have the old school fans that love kind of the intellectual thing and the new fans that like an action adventure. But one of the main elements of Star Trek that I think um, makes – the series what it is and makes a lot of the movies that people like what it is is the kind of singular adventure where they are um on a particular planet or some some type of thing and have a dilemma right there and it's not this big intergalactic kind of um thing. To star I, trek beyond in its box office well i mean uh, that was after two movies that people kind of were little un- underwhelmed on the, on the second one. But I, I think that is very Star Trek-y where you're going to a planet, they have a dilemma there, and that's what they're getting at. And so that that's the element of Star Trek I think I do better than Johnny's movie. And then as far as the dad movie aspect goes, um, I think our casts are both good. That's fine. But I think I, I hit on a couple of levels. Specifically, I think Jennifer Gardner is like a massive, like dads love her for many reasons. Alias is a massive dad thing, and dads love Jennifer Gardner. Like, she, but one she of doesn't even like, make movies anymore, does she? He does. When yeah, was the last does. Time Jennifer Gardner was in anything? Uh, I could tell you the, the name of the movie, but it was some uh, Peppermint. Uh, just came out. Dad, our dad loved that movie, and that was a <laughs> terrible action movie, and she was in just in that. But um, regardless of that. I also just think the um, the kind of sword and not not sword and sandal, but like the old school weaponry in a space type of planet thing. That if you're gonna uh, bring dads into Star Trek, you kind of do have to strip out some of the technology. I think because like I well, but mine it brings the the actual weaponry and all that to it, where you're it's very ground level, not even spaceships involved, other than the opening and all that. Uh, very old school, and you have Tom Hanks as kind of the lead captain. Um, and I, I think that that mixed with heist, I, I think mine has a lot more dad elements, honestly. I, I think yours does not have any, like it, it obviously has some dad elements with your casting and stuff, but like, I wouldn't describe your movie as a dad movie. Like outside of that, we say that James Mangold makes dad movies. Like I think the, the epitome of a dad movie is like the verdict and um, a, a few good men. Like those are, like the epitome, the number one genre for dads is courtroom dramas, and the number two is like racing movies or based on true story, like biopics. I, I don't see anything with intergalactic travel and a lot of action as a dad movie. You could 
I guess maybe if you wanted to argue that like Gladiator is, but like I don't agree with that. Like I, I, I will say this on this point Gladiator for me. Like a movie thing, I will say for this, not... Amia, I feel like Johnny maybe has the slight edge on the dad movie with the courtroom drama, but I still think the little swashbuckling adventure thing still slides into the dad movie category. So well, my my, my so, mind so at least on this aspect that, of your fight is made up. Okay, so away from that, I I think Bobby said what was wrong about what I hear about why a lot of these big these new Star Trek movies failed is because all of the hardcore Star Trek fans are like, they just made Star Wars movies and made them Star Trek. They just made them action movies. Like Bobby's movie. Yes. Maybe it has different types of action than those, but still sounds like an action heist movie. And I, I think mine is a throwback that will make Star Trek fans happy. And the older Star Trek fans that are dads will be happy with um, kind of more of the, like, just into, like, the theoretical aspects of Star Trek. I think that's what really made the old-school show what it was. It was not this big action adventure. It wasn't, like, Lost in Space, where they were going to different planets every episode and having big adventures. It was, what's the theory on this? Like, And I think you could do that really well in a Star Trek movie now and kind of get into the, you have this guy up on the stand who made this weapon that could have destroyed planets, but you get into theory of why he did it, what his reasons were behind it. Like Star Trek's very much like it's not black or white. It's One not minute. like this person's evil and this person's good. It's not the light side and the dark side like Star Wars. It's there's yeah. reasons and, and calculations behind everything, and this can really and that's, get into and that's that, where, which is good for Star Trek and good for dads. And good but I for think Johnny, stuff. mine has the good mix of that because mine includes the dilemmas within the movie, but it doesn't specify it around it the whole movie to where it would kind of uh, block out a lot of modern viewers um, to where I and, and even dads that now, nowadays would want something that might have a little bit more like our dad our dad now like loves things with a lot of with certain like action and all that in it but what I'm getting at is the dilemma of okay we're on a mission to, li- to deliver medication to a needy planet but we receive a distress call to another one do we like we're already on a needy mission but do we have the or do we have the need to respond to this? So you have dilemmas that kind of start off the whole movie, and then as you're going through the movie, do they do they uh, just completely all right? I got my and all that. I got my decision, okay. and uh, Tristan, what are your thoughts? Right behind me, I have the opening of Star Trek playing, and one of the first lines is "Space, the final frontier," and I think. For Bobby, he went into that. He actually has it set in space. It feels like a space adventure. And I think Johnny's theoretically does sound like a Star Trek movie. Like a lot of these Star Trek episodes are like thought provoking and it's very much like, oh, what does it mean to be a a human? What does it mean to be this or that? And I just, I don't necessarily see that in Johnny's movie. Like it is there in the, in the, in the premise, but it's not really there in like the action of the, of the plot. So it's a lot closer for me than I think it is for you, but I'm leaning a bit towards uh, Bobby here just because I think that feels a bit more like a Star Trek adventure to me. It feels a bit more like something that I'd watch in like a cheesy old Star Trek episode. And it might be an unpopular opinion, but I really like all three of the new Star Trek movies. So I think uh, it would be something that I would like to see that kind of a premise, that kind of a heist movie set in the Star Trek universe. And so I'm leaning towards Bobby here, but I'm not hundred percent. You know, I'm 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 split still. So I want to hear your your ruling here, Jenny or uh, Joe. All right. So my thing is, I feel like 
you know, I feel like Johnny had the angle more on the dad movie aspect, mm-hmm. but I feel like Bobby still qualified as a dad movie because of the whole swashbuckler angle. So, so I was really more looking, okay, what's like the best like Star Trek movie or what's like the best movie. And my thing is with uh, Johnny's is I feel like outside of like Spock playing chess, it was just like a courtroom drama. And I don't really know if that necessarily needs to be Star Trek. And one of my big things, gets, uh, okay. A space courtroom. But one of my big dings against Johnny is one of the biggest, like, props and, like, things in Star Trek is 3D chess. And if he had at least made it 3D chess, I could have at least seen... No, I don't fucking give a shit about Star Trek. Don't yeah, you can tell me. Knowing about All right, I'm just saying, if you had looked up chess and Star Trek, 3D chess is one of the first things that would have came up and I would at least... Okay, seen that's it. what they're playing. I just what? said chess. They're playing 3D chess. That's canon in Star Trek. All right, but still, outside outside of Spock being in there playing chess, I didn't really get much of the Star Trek angle, and I feel like a lot of the old school dad it's Star Trek in fans, the Star Trek universe, not make Star Trek characters. I but it's fucking, I don't give a shit about this. Just but it's still, but still, yeah, I was going with Bobby. I feel like with the dadding, the swashbuckling oh, angle, that seemed like a more fun adventure movie for me. So that's what I'm going with is Bobby's. Star Trek. I forgot that I was making a fucking shitty Star Wars-type movie for two people who'd like to fucking All right. see the joke. Stop your bitching and pick your, pick your rule. Shut your fucking <laughs> mouth. Bobby, I'll fight you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to do next. I, um, I tried to go... See, my problem is I feel like I tried to really embrace the rule instead of the movies because it's rule by rule. And that's not being... Look We're still pitching movies, though. That's the problem. It's also very hard when you're just fighting against two very different movies. Yeah. Like, it's not even like, oh, two similar... It's, it's right. gonna... We're gonna go yeah. to make one a, a reality TV show. Quit fucking picking my shit. God damn. <laughs> yeah, pick no, something... Tristan will pick against me every time because he wants me to lose. So it's fine. We'll just get to that at the end and Bobby win all of them. <laughs> All right. Johnny's going to bitch until he wins. All right, who's going first? And don't forget to update the scoreboard either, Tristan. Yep. I I don't know. I guess guess I'll go first. I'm interested to see how Bobby interpreted this rule, but I I picked Heaven's Gate. Okay, so Heaven's Gate came out in 19... (laughs) (laughs) You fucking expect that one, did you? Which rule are we on right now? Uh, Reality show. Reality show. Oh, that's right. Uh, Heaven's Gate came out in 1980, got a 59% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's about Harvard graduate James Averill, played by Chris Christopherson, who was the sheriff of prosperous Jackson County, Wyoming. When a battle erupts between the area's poverty-stricken immigrants and its wealthy cattle farmers, the politically connected ranch owners fight the immigrants with the help of Nathan Champion, played by Christopher Walken, a mercenary competing with Averill for the love of local Madam Ella Watson, played by Isabel Huppert. As the struggle escalates, Averill and Champion begin to question their decisions. It's known as one of the biggest flops of all time. Two walking movies in, in one episode. Yeah. Yeah, um, so this will 100% come down to just interpretation of the rule, I guess, because Bobby can't fucking beat my, my TV show pitch, all right? Especially knowing that Joe is in charge. Here's my show. I really stuck with the rules of the movie Heaven's Gate and made a reality show in that universe. So my show is the show is Alex Trebek as an angel hosting a trivia game show 
of people trying to get into heaven. The contestants are people who have recently passed away. They are living together in a house in purgatory. There is a series of trivia contests, and the winner gets sent through heaven's gates, and the losers get sent to hell. And that is my reality show. It's hosted by the greatest uh, game show host of all time, um, Alex Trebek. You also have the living together in the same house aspects. And if they sin in the house, they get uh, eliminated and sent to hell. And you have to um, win the trivia game to get sent through Heaven's Gates, the reality show. So is there's it, my, my greatest pitch I've ever Is this also an include dead ever. cast members episode? Because I don't get this. <laughs> but it's made on a reality show based on the movie. When we were fucking around with this, we were talking about Lex Luthor having a competition of DC villains. So I really wanted to I'm not going to knock him for having Alex Trebek as the host, okay? Like, well, it's, it's all dead people, get, all dead people getting death. into heaven or hell. Yeah, so. Bobby died that is not a reality show. In this show. <laughs> I have one right. question for you, Johnny, really quickly. Is it general yeah. trivia or is it like specifically themed to like heaven trivia? <laughs> Oh, no, it's just general trivia. I think okay. it's important. Like, it's what you learned on your life on Earth. So, sorry, kids, you're all going to hell. But, you know, I, I think you uh, I think you show – you need some knowledge up in heaven. And the all winners right. get sent to heaven. No dummies in heaven. There's enough of them all down right. here, you know. So, okay, this, exactly. this, this is going all to All dogs still to go to heaven. All right. This, this is going to come down to interpretation of the rule because Johnny straight up made a fantasy show – um, and Fantasy I made and, and, and I made something that could actually happen, but is nowhere near as bonkers as Johnny. But I think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I told you this is coming Honestly. down one hundred percent to the interpretation yeah. of the so, rule. Because I, I think mine. I think mine. But honestly, I do think mine can be just as fun to watch, even if All it's right. not as realistic. All right. What, so what I, movie did you pick? One that you already read, and that is War Games. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. Of course it is. That was the chalk pick. I went a fun direction, Bobby. You went with War Games. Yeah, but I think I came up with a fun little way to bring this back. Um, so my wow, my my show Sorry, first off, it's all I have. All right, my show first off is produced by Google, who recently, uh, within the past couple of years, we've been seeing a lot of videos of them putting out things of artificial technology, artificial intelligence, artificial technology type of stuff. Um, it's going to be hosted by Matthew Broderick to bring back the Speaking movie. Of people going to hell. <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> but so, this show is going to be a competition to get into Google's, um, like what their number one top secret uh, project that is going on. So each each um, season, they're going to have whatever project happening that they're that the winner is going to be getting into, and this is a competition reality show. So we have a group of hackers trying to take control of artificial intelligence and other weaponry to win a war set up by the show. They have to use a different strategy each week showing intellect and someone is kicked off until we have a final showdown of all the artificial intelligent things that they have taken control of throughout the show. Um, if someone is caught mid-hack, they're penalized and lose something they've hacked to the person who caught them. So you have a little bit of kind of the war kind of strategy. Um, at the end of each episode, there is a war game to see who gets eliminated. They must use all of the resources they've, they've collected to compete in a game in games based on things like chess, backgammon, poker, checkers, kind of things that were brought up in the original movies, but using these artificial intelligent kind of things. So we get basically robots and other type of weaponry kind of fighting off against each other in different strategy games 
Um, and also you get a hacking competition. So it's um, something similar to, I'm trying to remember the show name, but um, Robo. what were the fighting robots? The fighting robots in the Battle ring. Battle bots or whatever. Battle, yeah, whatever, Battle that bots. type of thing. But with Google's recent technology that they put out where you have these crazy like robot technology type of things yeah. in, in, involved but with it. But they're not fighting, they're playing like that game. They're war, they are war games. They are what the movie... The, the game of war. They should play yeah, war, the Bobby. The card game they, they, I said a lot of things like that, but... Um, the the original movie had a lot of inferences to artificial um, intelligence, and one of the characters that's what their back kind of story was. And if you're going to bring nuclear warfare into the modern day, I think that that is where people are going to go you with war. Yeah, but so that's what I'm going with is a fun, um, you know, uh, competition game show type of thing uh, hosted by Google um, with a lot of I thought fun, it was Matthew crazy Broder. robots. Not hosted by, produced by Google, hosted, hosted by Matthew, by Matthew Broderick, <laughs> but where where you have, um, I, but you get the fun yeah. at the end of the episodes, all these fun kind of robots and different technology that Google can showcase that can be used in war and all that type of stuff. And I think it's a fun game show type of uh, reality show, you know, um, reality game show, kind of like American Idol and all that type of stuff. Like those are all reality shows. So all right. that's what I'm going for. All right, Tristan, do you have a question? Because I, I kind of have where I want them to fight, but I do have kind of where I want to guide them. You need to guide us because yeah. yeah. they're Let's very just different. Go with Joe, for the guidance, I, I like both of these pitches. When Johnny pitched his, I thought, oh, there's no way that Bobby could ever beat that ridiculous but um... enjoyable pitch. And I think that Bobby had a had a good pitch, so I'm looking forward to hearing the arguments. So, okay, if you don't have anything to add, my thing is I feel like Johnny's show sounds more fun and entertaining. However, Bobby's stuck at least somewhat with his movie instead of just taking the title. Um, so I guess what I need from Johnny is somewhat, if it's any relevance to your movie. And Bobby, I feel like your show is just watching a lot of people type, which I don't yeah, know if that's so boring. I'll, I'll which get to doesn't the sound that entertaining that. to me. So I'm gonna need you guys to like defend both of that so yeah uh five minutes on the clock go i have a question actually guy you guys never mind go i want to say that i want to get just to break down a little bit of like what what an episode looks like in each of your shows so i think that when you're in the arguments i guess i'd be something to argue through is like what does an episode look like in you guys show because i think that'll give us an idea of how this is going to be entertaining all right all right so episode breakdown the beginning of my episodes, there's going to be a description of what type of technology that they are going to be looking for this episode, but they're not going to be given exactly what it is. Um, you have the members living in the same area, same house, interacting. People become friends. People develop, you know, different types of alliances and all that. Um, while while interacting, people are going to be searching the house for whatever the technology is. So that's where you get the kind of espionage level of. Um, oh, this person thinks it's this and they have to heck into it, blah, 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 type of stuff. Um, you then, what, if someone's caught, you get that part of the game where someone gets some type of advantage or they get to take that over. Then the very end of the episode, you get the actual war games with people using what they have gotten from that episode and then later on previously. All right. Sure. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, Bobby's show sounds, yeah pretty boring and it's something that i know i would never watch i don't know what your guys tastes are but it's obviously something that sounds extremely lame to me it sounds like a lot of these boring reality shows they're doing i think the last good game show 
uh, was Jeopardy. And I think the only thing, like, Alex Trebek passing away has shown that no one else, like, is capable of hosting Anderson uh, Cooper. Jeopardy. Um, no, God, no. Um, he's the best then, so far. Yeah. Kill me. Anderson Cooper, yeah, he's cool. Um, anyway... Oh, God, that just threw me off. Um, okay, so, yeah, if anything, Joe saying Anderson Cooper proves my point. No one else can host Jeopardy other than Alex Trebek. This provides a world where we can watch Jeopardy hosted by Alex Trebek till the end of time, and you have way higher stakes. It's not about money. It's about spending your life in heaven or hell. This is what the Bible should say instead of the bullshit that it has in there. Um, we have... Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. um, okay, hi mom. Hi mom. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, fuck the faith-based school. Um, there, uh, I don't know. And okay, so an episode of my show, it kind of be like Hell's Kitchen, where you have these people living in this house, you get their interactions, and then you have competitions, and they get called in and they play. So my show. No, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about with your bullshit card games. Look, Jeopardy's a fun show to watch, and I'm providing the world an opportunity to do that. Heaven's Gate provided me with the right title to be able to do that. Um, it doesn't have a lot to do with the movie, but we had to make it a reality TV show. Bobby has AI in his, but it doesn't need to be called War Games and just feel like... Uh, uh, also, my biggest problem with Bobby's is this. If this was an actual show that Bobby came out, Matthew Broderick sensed probably 1998, whenever he like ran over that dude with his car or killed that kid, whatever he did, um, has been the least um, uh, like exciting person to watch in the history of film. He's been flat. If you've ever seen um, uh, the one with Danny DeVito, the Christmas movie, if you've seen the shitty Godzilla movie, he's like the worst leading man ever he's not the same guy. If he was hosting a reality show, it would be canceled after one season because he is extremely boring and that you can't have a boring host of a show. Um, and Alex Trebek has shown I argue for almost every other reality show, but I would say that but like, the- that's not true because if you have a good host, those are the shows that work. And then when you have a shitty host, those are the shows that die. Like that's a big part of it. And like Jeopardy, right. It, that's why it's such a big deal. Jeopardy trying right. to find. Can the I just get hope. to the? Can I get to the bottom line of this? Is that Johnny made One a minute. fantasy show and I made a reality show? If I was going to make I my made a show thing that in the universe happen, of my movie, and you made one that has nothing to do with Morgan's no, other the than thing. the title. Right, so Johnny, Johnny, so here's the thing. If you're going there should to have the, been a bunch of people actually competing against the machine from the War Games movie, and this if they thing. lose, they get bombed. <laughs> if if you're I mean, going to make stakes. Johnny, if you're going to make a reality show based in the reality of your movie, you should mm-hmm. at least generally involve it with to, no, to be within the it's plot of your movie. No, to be no, in the it plot, doesn't like, need, it you, doesn't you, need so the movie's about movie. going to heaven and being good and, and going there and as far as all that you religion. Your point, Johnny, my movie shows that heaven is real, and that's what everyone wants. You had your arguments. All right, so for mine, why are we still talking? Make a decision. This shit, <laughs> because like, you it, it, this is 90% of this. Make a decision. But it's going to come down to yours is wacky and crazy and whatever, and but I don't think exciting that, to watch. One, 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 I don't think it has very, it has almost nothing to do with your movie and it's not a reality show because it can't actually exist. Mine is a reality show that at least could be made. 
Like it could be put out right. there, and the reason you would have I've heard enough. You guys aren't bringing yeah. anything no. new to the table. I think it's more realistic for my show to exist than a mm-hmm. show hosted by 2021 Matthew Broderick to exist. That's I not true based on almost better, anything that's a been put out. Chance recently. to actually be made. All right, Tristan, what what are you thinking here? Look, I'm glad basically that it comes down to: Do you want a reality show that's based on the movie it's from, or? Do you want a reality show that's slightly more entertaining to watch, but has nothing to do with the movie except it has the same title? Yeah, I'm I'm curious how you're gonna go on this because I think Johnny's... I haven't decided yet, but they kept saying the same shit over and over. Yep. John tried to say more, but Johnny wouldn't let There was nothing more to argue here. They're too different. I think that Johnny's just sounds like really cool. entertaining. It's definitely one that I would watch and just for like even just the absurdity of it. Like and and Bobby's sounds like something I would never watch in my life. It sounds like it'd be like torture to watch. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, it sounds awful. I think but it's a I like, reality show. I like that he the in hacking kind of element of the reality show. I think that's a unique thing we haven't seen in a reality show. I think it's pretty modern. And I think I wish he done he leaned into the AI stuff a little bit more. Like don't have Bardic be your host. Have the Google AI be your host or something like that. Like that would be kind of more computer do more games. No. I'll tell you, I had as the host prior to a couple days ago. Oh no, who are we? Still a better choice, Joss Whedon. <laughs> oh no, no, who was it? Someone problematic? Nope, just, nope. just just keep it's going. I'll, I'll tell. No, I'll you have to say it. No, you have to say it now. You We're not going to talk no, until no. you say it. I I had this whole thing produced and hosted by Elon Musk. Um, oh, <laughs> he loses. He loses the point. So I changed it. Why would you even think that? Because it was, until I saw him actually do something in public more than what he's done. Recently. What do you bend in the Wario costume the entire time? Because that <laughs> clip was some brutal, yeah, cringe comedy. No, man. Yikes. definitely not. So I changed it for you know <laughs> someone better. All right, look, uh, I think that Bobby sounds like a, one that would be made. It sounds like something Google would actually make. Be like, oh, let's bring back this like washed up celebrity actor who hasn't done anything in 20 years and he can like reference his third most popular movie from the 80s. And and then I think it just sounds like something that would be on for one season and then like he'd quit and it'd be canceled or something. And Johnny sounds more entertaining, but at the same time, Johnny has attacked me like every time we competed about my movie not being a realistic movie. He'll be like, oh, the director would never make that or that actor would never be in that or that movie would never be made. True. That's and very true. I usually yeah, every time. And he made, know, he pitched I decided with Tristan more than anyone else. He pitched a show oh, that literally him. could not possibly get made. Like, there's no way that gets made unless you're traveling to, like, an alternate reality. Where you the can universe of movie. the movie. That's I mean, I'm, all right. I, I think it's... Yeah, I'm, I'm it, leaning towards Bobby. Johnny, this, Johnny's like, rule choice is ridiculous, but his 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 show's more entertaining, but he, he chose something that cannot happen. So whatever you want to interpret it, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I like so, both of them in, in different ways. So I want to hear what you go with, Joe. So my thing is, like, Bobby's show sounds more entertaining, but at the end of the day, we're rebooting movies here. And, oh. like, nothing of Johnny's movie has anything to fucking do with the movie Heaven's Gate. And then he talks shit. Heaven's Gate. He talks shit That's about. Joe. He talks shit about Bobby's movie having nothing rule. to do, do with his it show. It depends on the rule. And I just feel like 
if he had done like, oh, it's, you know, Survivor and the Old West and blah, 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 Heaven's Gate, whatever. And I don't know if he had found any way to tie it at all to the movie, I would go with Johnny. But other than having the same title and I, I was like skimming the Wikipedia to see if anything I could find anything of the movie to tie it to his show and I, I could not and I, of course I, just, not. I didn't even look up what the movie was about yeah. <laughs> holy <Yeah>. shit <laughs> so I, I saw the name Heaven's Gate it's made by that's the show not, that is not what the movie's about so. <laughs> I don't know anything about the movie don't care oh I God. saw Heaven's Gate so I have to go with Bobby alright yeah, and also, was like, the movie's about people trying to get yeah. into heaven. And Which I'm is like, not. Is no, it's a Western. <laughs> like, couldn't yeah. tell you. I thought it was a detective movie. <laughs> what? I don't know. Oh. I, don't know. Right. I don't know shit about it. Didn't care to look it up. This is, I, I'm, stupid, yeah. this so, is yeah. a stupid format, and I did not put effort into it. I, I texted I my mom. My, my movie. You, you have a chance still because there's some ridiculous things going on, but yeah, this is. Uh, I texted my mom 10 minutes ago. Rule versus rule is a bad idea. It's <laughs> like, a terrible idea, and you guys chose bad rules and bad movies. And you know, I put work into this, but I you, did not you even Google the movie. I did not even bother looking up the plot of that movie. So yeah, all right. I, I can't pretend that I put a lot of effort into some of these, and but I did put effort into some coming up. So I guess I got to go with one of my strongest. And now I'm not the sole judge anymore. Thank you, fuck. Yeah. Because y'all motherfuckers have to pick every rule I've done. I'm going to go with one must be a faith-based film. Thank you. That's Tristan's pick. I assume right. I assume I know one of the movies I'm reading the description yeah. of. Yes. Who's going Bobby. first, Shawnee? Bobby. Bobby? Bobby right. Well, you don't, have to read, you don't have to read mine because it's Heaven's Gate. Oh, okay. Not the movie I was thinking. Wow. Bobby just stuck with chalk on some of these. I did because there's almost nothing you can do with most of the choices otherwise. And it, it, it That's made not true. There are directions you can go, but the judges don't like them. Because <laughs> yeah, they're bad. Because they're good. All my films are all yeah. Everything I've put out has been better than what Bobby did, but you guys just picked him because of other reasons. I don't know the Star <laughs> Trek universe. Johnny, you're not. just making I, excuses. Whatever. You are making excuses. I, I don't this care. Is... Like, this is right. the only one I've gone right. to that I have not cared about. But this pitch, I will fucking be here. <laughs> All right, Heaven's okay. Gate. Give me your pitch before I piss my pants. All right. Is it um, a Western? <laughs> my director is Vic Armstrong, who is a um, very prolific stuntman, which is what I want to get into some fun stuff. And he was he, and second unit director, and he also was the co-director of Left Behind, which is a Nicolas Cage-starred <laughs> Uh, faith-based film as well. Um, the two stars that I cast in the movie, stars, quote-unquote, for one of them is Nick Cage, and um, I also have Kirk Cameron as the other one, because <laughs> um, he is in almost every faith-based movie, and he's going to be a really fun villain to want to get. Yeah. All right. So we pick up in a world that, because of all its sins in modern society, God has started to create a new great flood to restart. Preachers start speaking of Heaven's Gate being brought to Earth as a means for all good people to get to Heaven and not experience the Flood. This leads to mass chaos trying to reach this new Heaven's Gate, which ironically is located in Death Valley. A war between the rich and poor break out, specifically because the rich that kind of control a lot of the churches, um, uh, in order to reach Heaven's Gate, um, basically, so we have two, two groups now led, one, the poor group led by Nicolas Cage and the rich group led by Kirk Cameron. 
Um, we get action and fights along the way, and also a road trip movie with Nick Cage getting to let loose and be weird and crazy. Uh, in the end, members from each group, including Nick Cage and Kirk Cameron, reach Death Valley. Uh, there we see instead of Heaven's Gates, they are trapped in a low point of the valley by water and everyone uh, who made it there drowns. The rain then stops. This was a warning from God against greediness uh, happening in the world, and only those greedy enough to think they deserve to live over everyone else died. So you get a religious type of message in more of a fun movie with Nicolas Cage starring uh, to kind of be his kind of crazy self in a movie that would be made by these people at least all right yeah that sounds exciting um i chose green ice okay. you've already read that so here's the thing all these fucking faith-based movies the first thing you think of is christianity which is the stupidest religion um and i think you know if i think of movies like god's not dead or the movie that bobby said and i would rather i won't hyperbole this i won't say i'd rather kill myself than watch those movies but if i woke up in a saw type scenario <laughs> where my leg was chained to the wall and they said you get out at the end of god's not dead or you can saw your own leg off to escape i'm out in 15 minutes my leg is gone i'm sawing that shit <laughs> off i'm not watching your fucking piece of shit faith-based bullshit so I went a different direction. Mine is about the only cool religion, Buddhism. Um, so my film is faith-based in the Buddhist religion, the only cool one. Um, sorry, Santeria, you didn't make the cut. So mine is, um, I'll read the, the pitch, and then the uh, I'll tell you the people in it. All right. A young group of thieves discover that a Buddhist temple uh, has a statue containing a thought to be extinct diamond uh, or emerald called green ice, just a stone basically, but it is believed to be the most valuable stone in existence. The only way to gain access to the Buddhist refuge is to pose as students waiting or wanting to study the monks and learn about Buddhism. The thieves outlook um, on uh, Buddhism at the start of the film is mostly negative looking down on what they believe to be a group of bald clowns meditating all day. Once they have successfully gained access to the refuge, which is only accessible by, hair, by hot air balloon travel, um, they start to feel wary of their plan. Uh, they meet the monks and join them in their daily routines. The fake students spend their time away from the monks trying to devise a plan to escape such a secluded place. They do, however, discover that the green ice stones are in fact in the statue of the great Gautama Buddha in the center of the main meditation area. As the film progresses, the interactions between the thieves and the monks start to make the thieves question their intentions. While originally they mocked the Buddhist practices, they started to find peace and questioned their morals. Um, the film ends with one of the thieves trying to carry out uh, the plan, but being talked down by the rest of the group. After a heated argument, at least on one end, a monk walks into the chambers. The monk is, is holding the green ice stones. The monk tells them, that he and the other elders knew the motivation of the students uh, early on, but did not try to stop them. He holds out the diamonds and asks the one uh, who had been yelling if he would still like to leave with the stones. Shocked, he asked the monk why they were allowed to stay this whole time if they had known to be if they were known to be frauds. The monk explains that they have no value in such things like diamonds and wanted to take the opportunity to help some lost souls find themselves again. The group turns down. 
the offer of taking the stones because they've opened their eyes into how to live a better life with the help of the monks and their teachings. So that's my movie. Um, my director uh, is Oliver Stone, who I think does a good job with moral um, dilemmas like in Platoon, and he is also a devout Buddhist. Um, my lead monk is Chaoyan Fat, also a Buddhist. Um, and it's more of a, and it's not just like bulletproof monk, one of those bullshit movies where it's like, oh, it's, he's a monk, but it's an action movie because he's Asian. Um, and then my other monks are also Buddhist. Um, Jet Li, uh, Jeff Bridges is going to be a similar character to what he played, um, in the big Lebowski, but he's going to be more of like a realistic character, but he's going to be more of like the different view of like, I just live my best life and I, I live here. I want to kind of, um, Give those aspects and Adeweli uh, Akino Agbaji, who is, I think, Killer Croc in the Suicide Squad, but he's also a British actor who is um, a Buddhist. And my group of students, my lead, Joseph, is Shamik Moore. He's going to be the one that kind of starts questioning their um, journey like early on and starts to really adapt to the, the Buddhist ways. Um, my guy, who at the end is going to be shouting at them and angry. Is going to be um, Ryan, and that's played by Moses Arias, who is, uh, I think he was a Disney star in his former life. Yeah. He was yeah. uh, he was yeah. in Monos as a very uh, uh, intimidating character. And Not the hand also... All right. Uh, what? Never mind. And then um, my uh, other character, Amanda, is going to be played by D- Dakota Fanning. And my other guy, Claude, is going to be played by Dakari Montgomery from the Power Rangers and Stranger Things. So that's my group of students that go in, and my monks, and my uh my buddhist faith uh based movie okay all right all right tristan i don't really have any questions for them uh you're in charge of this round do you got questions i've got no questions here i just want to hear them argue they went with yeah. different religions yeah. all the way through to the different movies so i'm really yeah. curious to hear the arguments on this one i'm leaning one direction but i can easily be swayed to another direction i don't want to play my hands since i'm the one giving the ruling oh. so i want to hear him fight yeah, I'm leading one right, direction I'll, too. I'll but on this one. Here, just one um, quick question. One quick thing. Yeah. I just have to go to the bathroom, yeah. and I'm yeah. leading my one direction. I'm not calling this round anyway, so I'm putting five minutes on the clock. Uh, go for it. Okay, so I, we're pitching very different movies. Johnny's going very heavy, very like drama, and trying to get a serious point across with his. And I'm going for almost the so bad it's good version of these movies with Nicolas Cage in what can actually be made with these Christian side of the movies. Um, And I think that makes for a lot more fun and a lot more that you can do with the movie after the fact. I think uh, Oliver Stone um, can be very on the nose with whatever points he's making, especially recently with a lot of his movies. And I think that can come across as very heavy handed um, and may lead to a more kind of boring, like you watch it once and you get the point maybe kind of well done, but like, a little too overbearing to watch for a lot of people. Whereas mine is going to be a lot more, all right, it gets the religious bullshit kind of, movie. kind it's of bullshit into movie. it where, but you get you Oh my God, what just happened moments no, between, don't. between no, Nicholas Cage, you do. And then also you get to no. the very end and you have your main characters all of a sudden, like suddenly die, but you get it in a way that's like, what the fuck just happened? And that's more of what I'm going for with this type of movie where it does have a message and the message of not being greedy in that sense is, is solid, but it's shown in a way that is so absurd, um, which a lot of these movies go for uh, and not even intentionally that I think it could be um, more fun to watch and make fun of after the fact. And that's more the type of movie I'm going for rather than yours, which is very 
heavy. It's got a solid message and all that. I just think it's going to be over-dramatized, a little too on the nose, a little too heavy and overbearing to be something that will stand out to most people and have a life after seeing it one time. Okay, well, here's my thing. You think that, and you you are making that argument up and saying like, oh, Nick Cage is in it, and it's by this director who did the movie Left Behind, which has a 3.1 out of 10 on IMDb. Co-director, he's the stunt guy, just to be clear. To be clear really quick, he is the okay, stunt guy who is a co-director. He, no, no, I'm saying he is the director of this movie. His okay. directing, he is a second he, unit director who've done a lot of stuff, and then that is he the religious the movie aspect he's done. Left no. behind, but stunt which man. made no money. No one cared about it. It didn't live on like um, the one where Nick Cage is screaming out bees. It didn't live on like it has on the, the better movies he did, like Wally's Wonder. No, it hasn't. No one's ever talked about that movie. Um, it even like knowing in some of the other Nick Cage films that like people talk about, like you picked. You just made a bad movie, and your argument is, well, Nicolas Cage is fun. But, like, I pitched a cool He-Man zombie movie with Nicolas Cage, and I lost. So it's bullshit if you're a bad movie with Nicolas Cage and a bad director um, and fucking Kirk Cameron. Who dies. A movie movie that is well thought out, um, a movie that we don't really get to see. Any movie about Buddhism is either a documentary or in a foreign language, and a lot of people don't see it. This would be a decent budget. It would have name... Uh, brand behind it and it would kind of um, maybe make people think and learn about a religion I don't think a lot of people know about that's not about gods and all this science fiction bullshit but it's about this one dude lived a perfect life and he found harmony and we want to live like him you know it's it's the only religion that I think um, you know people should know about and I think if everyone was Buddhist the world would be a better place and I want to make a movie that does have messages, but it's also about questioning your faith. It's about questioning yourself. It's about questioning your morals. And I like those type of movies. Oliver Stone, yeah, he can be on the nose with some of his stuff, but I wouldn't say anything in, like, Platoon is on the nose, and that's more... We have a one minute left. Been, I want to hear from... It's been years. And then, yeah, it, um, it, it, yeah, but but he's straight away from that. Like, you, but if you look I'll at, like, the arcade, a lot of those things, the other thing, too, is I have a more interesting cast of characters. I have a more interesting... Um, just a more interesting plot. And mine is a real better movie. And Bobby's is one that people won't watch, but the few that do will make fun of it. So what it comes down to is, do you want to go see a real movie or do you want to go make fun of a a bad Nick Cage movie? And I think Nick Cage is at a point in his career, at least with his past few films, even with smaller ones that people don't know much about, like Primal that's on Netflix are fun movies and he's kind of having this resurrection of his career yeah. and being no, I, I get where you're going from, but I, I want to going with just bad bad bullshit and and I want to and I think it's necessary to hand um a movie like this that's to a director that tells a good story and is it about movies so what I would go for for yours is that I, I do think that if this movie was made years beforehand I think Oliver Stone would have would have been a pretty decent choice. Don't fight me as a director because your director no, but, is worse than mine. But, for, but you're you're you trying to my director one years is bad. Listen really quick because we got to finish no, up. Because you're not making good arguments. So we have to. You're not going to win on that. We so we're going for very different movies. If you're going for a very serious drama and a very well told and message type of movie, you you want someone who can portray that well nowadays. And I don't think Oliver Stone can do that. I don't trust him to do that. 
What I do trust of mine is that it can be a lot more fun to watch than yours and a lot more um, like badly entertaining. And I think that that is a, you know, first off, I think that religious movies in the Christian aspect are a lot more entertaining and like weirdly bizarre when you go into the old Testament type of stuff with the God's wrath and all that, which is what the flooding and all that and killing people would go into. And I think that that, that leads to a more um, entertaining version than a lot of the religious movies that are made where it's like, Oh, you have like someone miraculously survived this falling into ice in breakthrough or whatever that one was. And like, you have like, Oh, do I believe God did this or not? This is more of a, I'm going to tell the Bible biblical aspect of what um, it tries to get across of not being greedy and trying to live, you know, make humanity better rather than yourself and show it in this old Testament way that can be a lot more entertaining than the new Testament type of stuff. And you get Nicolas Cage being able to let loose in this type of movie with Kirk Cameron being a weird, bizarre villain who gets, you get to watch him die. So I think that's a lot more entertaining personally than your movie. No, it's not. No, All right, no, you Joe, you got any you No, I didn't hear the full arguments. Obviously, I had to go to the bathroom, but I, I have my kind of where I'm leaning. Uh, I like Johnny's more creative aspect of faith-based. I feel like his movie fits, you know, his kind of religion of what he's going for. And I feel like it's a better movie overall. Obviously, I think a faith-based movie is a way to make your movie fucking just shit. And I think uh, Johnny found a creative way around that to make an interesting movie that I would still consider a faith-based movie uh, that sounded actually interesting and entertaining, where I feel like Bobby just more accepted the fact that, you know, faith-based movies are shit and just tried to make the best possible shitty movie. But at the end of the day, it's still kind of a crappy faith-based movie. Yeah, I'm feeling the same. I I think Bobby could have had a fighting shot if he leaned way more into the so bad it's good kind of angle and got like yeah. an infamously bad director and filled it with a lot of like infamously bad cast and it was like sure you have like two actors one of them is terrible and one of them is having a really good career revival and you got a director who's made like one shit movie and that's pretty much all i know him from and i've seen left behind and yeah. it was not any good at all really <laughs> it was pretty bad so yeah. i think johnny used the rule creatively i think he actually made it into a watchable movie and Bobby tried to make it a so bad as good movie, but I don't think he really yeah. succeeded in that. It seems like something that would just come and go. And so I'm going with Johnny on this one. Yeah, if Bobby would replace Nicolas right. Cage with like Kevin Sorbo or something, then Yeah, yeah then it would have won. Yeah. yeah, fuck you. Yeah. No, but at least I would fair, it would have had more but... of like a clear direction. Like the director of Saving yeah, yeah. Christmas with Kevin Sorbo, then it's like okay, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm like, the director of All right. well, um, War, War really on quick. Christmas. So I think that's a, that's a very fair, comes back. That, that, that's a very fair choice. Um, Good rock. I, I have to run to the bathroom really quick, but I'm going to choose that we have to set one in the Airbud franchise. Um, nice. I'll let Johnny go first, so you can read the description of that, and I'll be back by the time he makes his pitch. All right, Johnny, what's being set in Airbud? Unless it's a movie we've already done. Good luck. Again, this. If I lose on this, whatever. I don't give a shit. Um, don't forget to update I, the scoreboard either. Yeah, got it right now. But I chose Poltergeist. Not not the movie I was thinking. The movie I was thinking is uh, still on the board for both of you. So, uh, so Poltergeist uh, from 1982 got an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Its uh, description is a strange and creepy happenings beset an average California family. The Freeling, Steve, played by Craig T. Nelson, Diane, played by Joe Beth Williams, Teenage Diana, eight-year-old Robbie, and five-year-old Carol Ann, who, you know, had a not a great life 
after this movie. That didn't go work. good. Yeah. Didn't go well. No, not not great. Uh, when ghosts commune with them through the television set, initially friendly and pay- playful, the spirits turn unexpectedly menacing, and when Carol Ann goes missing, Steve and Diane turn to a parapsychologist and eventually an exorcist for help. Oh, perfect timing. I just explained the plot that, of Poltergeist it. because that was Johnny's right. pick. All right, good thing you explained explain the plot because I stuck closely oh. to that. Yes, damn. Poltergeist. <laughs> so, what is our movie? What is this argument going to be? It's set one in the Airbud universe, and mine is Poltergeist. And my pitch is one sentence. When one of Airbud's puppies goes missing and their dog family gets tormented by a cat poltergeist, Airbud must go places he has never gone before in order to save his family. And my director is Tarsum Singh, who did the cell mirror 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 and Lady Gaga 9-11. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, the whole movie is voiced over by Kevin Costner, who apparently just loves being dog voices. <laughs> Okay. Based on the one movie. We we have the same one to two sentence movies. <laughs> and same rule right, matchup. Let me the same movie. Movie. Real quick. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh I chose the same movie. So. I never thought that was gonna happen. No. Wow. <laughs> All right. So um my movie is directed by Rob Letterman, who did the Ghostbusters or sorry, Ghostbusters, the um Goosebumps movies. Um my uh, daughter of the movie, which is going to be one of pretty much the main lead, is going to be played by Julia Butters, who we know from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as a little girl who has the scene with Leo. Um, the dad in the movie is going to be played by Eric Bana, and the mom is going to be played by Jane Krakowski, who we know from uh, 30 Rock, Ally McBeal, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. She's a good kind of comedic actress who could play a kind of good role in this movie. And this is a kid's retelling of Poltergeist where um, the dog is the one to sense and warn the family of the ghost. So you still have the same premise of them living in the house that is haunted by whatever they're living on. Um, it vent- it, the dog actually ventures into the TV with the daughter to actually to fight the ghost and save her from being possessed. So instead of it being the puppies that are possessed, it's more of it's a very similar plot with kind of kid scares going along with it. And you have the dog being the hero and actually saving the day physically and doing some fun fighting ghosts and all that instead of um, just kind of the creep factor in the original. And mine is basically the original Poltergeist, but with dogs. But um, only, but like only dogs with voiceover, and mine's at least a little bit more about a better movie. But we'll go with yeah. it. Yeah. All right, Tristan, you're in charge of this Let's one because that. this is your pick. Uh, any questions for either of them? There's not well, a whole yeah, lot to offer. Sanity a little bit. <laughs> not the <laughs> movie. We talked. We both. <laughs> me and Tristan talked like a month ago when we came up with these movies and rules, and we both had one that we thought was like the clear and obvious, and neither one of you picked Faith-based that. Faith-based movie for this one? <laughs> no, yeah. uh, oh. no, I was talking for Air Bud. Of oh. no, no, there's not a fucking obvious choice for Air Bud because that's a stupid rule. And you know what? I embraced it. Bobby did not. Yeah, I will say Johnny definitely leaned into the so bad it's good thing more than Bobby did last up oh, last uh, movie. So I think <laughs> I give him some props for that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bobby sounds a better version. Do you, guys, of do you guys have any questions? No. Yeah. I, I don't, don't, let's bit. just hear you guys fight for a couple of minutes, okay. and we'll see how. I don't need lead. Here's my thing. I saw uh, because I had a free screening of it. I saw the 
uh, really terrible, like 2015 or whatever remake of Poltergeist and realized this is a movie that never needs to be repeated. I don't need to know the same, you know, story of these humans and stuff. So I, I figure the only way to make this like a movie that I would actually see because Bobby made a kid's movie. None of us are actually going to watch that. Maybe his movie is better overall, like on Rotten Tomatoes because it's for kids. That's fine. But if they told me that a movie of the poltergeist was being made all with dogs, I'd watch that in a second. Like I would, that would be, we would fucking do a live watch along to that movie because it would be monumental in filmmaking. Um, and I, I think that would be super fun. It would be weird. I want to see um, just like, you know, Airbud. he lives on his own. He's like an NBA player at this point. He's famous, you know, he, he made it. He makes all the shots off his face. He's like the Steph Curry of dogs. So he has his own little house. Um, and, and you know, it plays out like Poltergeist, but it's all dogs. And it's a cat Poltergeist, which I think is funny. And it's the, the director of The Cell. So it would be like when Air Bud goes into the staticky like TV, you would have these crazy-ass sequences of, um, like, the Cell-level uh, – weird shit that they deal with and it and it would actually be kind of freaky looking and fun to watch and i think that would be really entertaining and something that would at least like we talked about twitter already bobby doesn't care about it but it would be trending if this movie got made and bobby sounds more like the grumpy cat movie which was a failure no yours yours sounds like a movie that in in no way are they ever going to make this and if they did they're not going to have either of these so the problem is cooler but the problem with your movie also is you you have this crazy thing but then you say like oh it's just voiced over by this one guy the whole time which sounds really boring to go along let me let me tell you a story on this real quick have you ever heard of the movie how to drive in the rain or some bullshit okay the art of racing in the rain the Art of Racing in the Rain. So I went to okay. see this movie. The one and, with the guy from This Is Us or whatever. Malavent sure. Amelia. Yeah. And um, yeah. I went to see that. And it's supposed to be this super serious drama of like a divorce and then fighting over these kids. But then it would cut back to the dog and he would be narrated by Kevin Costner. Everyone in the theater <laughs> is silent and I was laughing my ass off. It's so funny. So that's All my right. movie. Kevin okay. Costner's narrating is- as Air Bud. Tell you that. I know. I understand. The the problem is the reason that is so funny in that type of movie is because you have the dynamic of them going for a very serious drama movie. Yeah, the rest of mine will be the cell level crazy, but with dogs. Listen, (laughs) but but that's the thing. You're not going for a drama, so that when that voiceover comes over, you don't know that it's not going to be as jarring and funny. It's like it's. It's it. No, you're it was going only for the. It was Kevin Costner. Right, but okay. So I made a real movie that could actually exist, no, and uh, for one thing, and it's no one's making this movie. N- no one's making. Yeah, but yours, yours yeah, is. No like, one's making either movie, and mine sounds like a better okay. hit watch, like a better like right. dumb. Johnny is. That's really Johnny's drinking. Johnny's just drinking and talking over me every yeah. time I speak. But yeah, because um, bad at this. So. All right, so my movie, for one thing, it can actually have entertaining, fun characters like Jane Krakowski, who is a comedian, and she is pretty funny like she if you've listened to her or seen her on anything she she makes the show uh oh the the recent show that she is hosting with name that tune actually watchable because she is a fun host because she actually like 
um, she's actually entertaining and funny and makes like awkward sex jokes and things and something that shouldn't have them. And I feel like she imagine, could imagine that she could bring, like not sex jokes, but she, but she, yeah, but she could bring, she could bring a level of comedy that could make that part entertaining for adults to go watch it. You have Eric yeah. Banner, who's just a good actor overall, can play the serious kind of dad. You have Julia Butters, who's shown that she is fantastic. Um, and so One she minute. could be a, and so that she can actually be a charismatic lead. And you have a dog fighting ghosts. So like on whatever level Johnny Same. is having is being crazy and weird. Mine still has a dog going into a TV fighting ghosts along with the little girl. Like that is still really entertaining for an adult to go watch with a kid as no, well as the, the thing like about is this, kind of, like you, you you're, chose you're, serious you're, actors. You, you I think a movie that should be for kids and will bore everyone and they won't get because you have the stupid voice over it. only thing for kids. What do you mean I chose the movie make, for kids? Why would you make an Airbud movie made for adults? Then what are you doing? That's, that's I don't know what you're. Oh, I don't know what you're. Because Bobby, for. when's the last time you watched an Airbud movie? You were a kid. Now how old are you? Thirty, you old fuck. Now, <laughs> so why would you have Poltergeist? I would adults. watch this because it'd be like, oh, this is nostalgia and a movie that I like. You know, I think you got to grow with your characters. It's like Toy Story three. Tristan, you got to do this. I think I think Bobby hurt himself arguing how great his cast is, and then putting them in a fucking wasting their lives away by putting you them get in actually movie. Fun, and fun my, you know, you know, movie rather than just dogs with voiceover. Dogs with voiceover is only going to entertain you for so long. It's not going to be true at all. You can't you have the entire no movie be that and have it be actually a so bad it's good. It won't work that way. Yeah, yes, I feel well. similarly about no, Johnny's no. pitch here that I felt about Bobby's, where it's like he could have gone way more into the so bad it's good and gave us some like I mean, specific scenes that are crazy and some weird stuff. And you could have made it. You didn't have to make it a one sentence pitch. <laughs> you yeah, know, you could have added did. a couple more Bobby's things to just too. make <laughs> lean into the ridiculousness. But when you're trying to give a detail of like it's so bad it's good, I want like why is it so bad it's good? Give me some crazy scenes, give me some crazy it's moments, give me something. I I'm leaning towards Bobby on this one, but before I make a final call, I, I want to get uh, Joe's thoughts on this. I think I'm making yeah. the call on this. I can't even remember. Yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 making the call. We're either, it's either you or us combined. They picked my three movies to start. So so my thing is with as far as like air button movie or whatever, I feel like I don't really know who the fuck movie Johnny's is for. Like I feel like me. he says he might Just be <laughs> exactly yeah. like he exactly. might be entertained for it, but I could see like a kid friendly movie of poltergeist. That's like four kids and like this dog going to save this little girl in the kind of like similar tone of the goosebumps and be like an entertaining family movie that kids enjoy and parents can sit through where I just, I feel like anyone other than Johnny that watches his movie will walk out within 30 minutes. And I, and that's, I don't care. Mine's that's, a streaming movie. So you'll be at home. And that's, that's where my I vote would make is. You guys watch it. My vote is for Bobby, which would give Bobby the, for the first All time. First yeah. It sounds like it Bobby's going to be the one that, it sounds like off. I didn't give a fuck about this rule. rule I didn't thing. give a shit about any of these. I finished my pitches an hour ago, Johnny. We were in the <laughs> same boat, and I fucking beat you, so get over it. <laughs> hey, Tristan hasn't made yeah, his I call yet. Granted, this is not I know. This is not like our real show. This is, is, like, yeah, it is. A, this is like the forgotten it is. movies. It's like a it new is not. thing. Like, we're 0-0, zero, zero, and next week, Joe and Tristan no. are 0-0. Zero, zero. No, like, we are not. Right. You are making this that call now. This, this, yeah, is this, this is a normal. This is a normal one. 
this isn't a normal one. Like, you can't make good movies out of this, so I don't care. Like, whatever. You don't I have to make good movies. I'll be upset really when I lose to real pitches, but, like, I, I'm... You fucking sound like Johnny. You know who you sound like, right? Johnny, you know who you sound like right now? Who? Donald Trump. <laughs> he didn't actually. Yeah, that's not true like because he was very mad when he lost. You, you still sound <laughs> like him. All right. Twitter when he lost. All right. I do not care. Okay. But regardless, we matched up on a movie and I still won. So I'm going to hold that over you because that's what you were holding this entire you know, thing. Uh, Mine about was one lot. sentence about dogs being in the poker, guys. Do you think that upsets me, Bobby? No. This Maybe is my pitch, realize. too. <laughs> my pitch is like, yeah, do a, do all right. All right. Let's Johnny. go. Where, where are we going for our, to try to not get a repeater rule? I don't care. I don't know. Let's See, go with, um, we're not going to do repeater rules from this format. You yeah, we are. Let's yeah, do yeah. Beverly Hills Cop. This is no, what? This oh, is like the we already did that. Episode. Johnny, we already we're did. Going by rules First off, we're doing rules. <laughs> so rules what rule rules, do you have for Beverly Hills Cop? You, you either have rule? cast only dead uh, musical uh, artists and start BMX. As possible. All right, that's yeah, I know the rules, Joe. I said it. All right. Problematic as possible. We're going for it. Who's going first? Yeah. Oh, no. Whatever. I don't Johnny. Know. Um, uh, you, I guess? I don't know. Me? Sure. All right. Well, my my problematic movie is Dead Zone. Okay. Oof. So we we have done this. We've done well. We've done so. We matched up on two rules. Okay, I got it. Yep. Okay. So my Dead Zone is going to be directed by Brian Singer, written by J.K. Rowling. Oof. Just to get that out of the way, um, it's going to star. Yeah, problematic movie is very realistic. All right, uh, it's going to star Kevin Spacey, and the team he forms to kind of complete his goal is going to be made by Mel Gibson, TJ Miller, and YouTuber Shane Dawson. Oh, my God. You're really <laughs> reaching for all of the problematic yep. people in this one. The the villain of my movie is society. <laughs> <laughs> so we have... Uh, Kevin Spacey's character goes into coma in the early 2000s and wake up, wakes up in the midst of cancel culture. He can read minds, and everyone has been. And when, as he does, he realizes uh, that everyone has the bad thoughts that they used to, but they won't say them. He starts getting glimpses of of the future where, where America has been taken over by China. Believing this can only be possible because of the new mindset in America, he believes it is a race against time to make America great again. He forms a team who believes his message and his uh, um, to believes his message, and it's a heist action movie trying to break into the White House to convince everyone that they're being too sensitive and abolishing cancel culture and what's considered to be censorship. Uh, the end of the movie is him breaking into the White House using his powers and hijacking a presidential speech, giving his own speech to abolish cancel culture and stop pussifying America. <laughs> there you go. Here's my movie. Here's I'm into it. it. Um, I went with the as possible thing. Like I took that as a movie that could get made, but is problematic. And Bobby went with problematic. Movie that would never get made. Um, so we went different directions on that. It's like the reality show thing. But you guys knocked me for making a show that wouldn't exist. So I'm going to fight for that. My That's not why I knocked is, you. Shut your mouth. My movie, <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop. Because fuck you guys for trying to pitch a hero cop movie in 2021. Um, mine is a Daily Wire production, the Ben Shapiro company. And it stars 
as Axel Foley, Gina Carano, everyone's favorite Star Wars character. My director is Harold Crump, who did God's Not Dead and Jerusalem Countdown, which I I think you guys should read up on what the fuck that is. It's uh, a problem that that exists. My police chief is Kevin Spacey. My John Taggart uh, and Billy Rosewood, the two helping, are Louis C.K. and Shane Gillis, the guy fired for racial slurs <laughs> on uh, for SNL. All people who are against cancel culture and would do a Ben Shapiro movie. Um, my pitch, a conservative Detroit cop played by Gina Carano transfers to Beverly Hills, the actual city that exists in my movie, um, after being fed up uh, seeing all the protests and the cancel culture of the area, she breaks up protests by beating up people uh, that are throwing things through windows. She refers to them as rioters. The film uh, it depicts protesters as very evil people who just use the police as an excuse to riot and destroy things. Um, and that's my movie. That's it. It's problematic as possible. It'll probably be made one day, and I'm very upset about it. It's probably the untitled Gina Crown project that's in the works. I like both of these pitches. I'm not going to lie. I think no. I'm curious to hear them argue it out. But do you have any questions from Joe going into it? No, I, I'm leaning one direction, but it could be changed in the arguments. So, yeah, I'm I'm curious to argue it out. I want to hear why theirs is the most problematic. I want to hear a little bit from Bobby against Johnny's criticism of his won't get made. Yeah. So, so those are the few things I really want to hear is why is yours more problematic than the other person's? And then from Bobby, why why can yours get made or do you value that at all? And just a little response to that. So since you're, ask, you're asking me a question, I'll just give my response to that and then I'll just let Johnny kind of start off the actual arguments. But for mine, if if people who have been canceled are going to make a movie, it's only going to be be a group of people that are in that group and it can be a independent movie to be put out. Um, it's not going to be funded by a big studio who would actually put money behind it and all this type of stuff. It would be people that would band together and try to put out something that would play to their audience, I would say. Um, so that is my defense on why this type of movie could actually be made. And there are a lot of people that believe that the pussifying of America and the cancel culture is something that is destroying what uh, what was built for America. And that, that would actually get an audience, unfortunately. Um, and it would actually play to, I mean, look, even if um, studios wouldn't be behind this, I, unfortunately, I do think this would have an audience and could get made and put out there in some form, whether it is in independent theaters, whether it's on a streaming service, whether it is through Ben Shapiro's production company, it could be put out there. Um, and well, because of that, specifically yeah, right, but... The, the fact that this type of movie could be made is very problematic in itself and is my movie is way more problematic than yours in the first place. That's what I would go for. But. No, it's not because here's my thing. You, you reference make America great again. You reference cancel culture. Like, yeah, that's still a thing people talk about, but like make America great again is not you, your movie would be problematic if it was like three years ago, I feel like, but I feel like your movie is kind of past the, the problems. I feel like the biggest thing, you could, the biggest problematic movie you could make now deals with cops and the protests and Black Lives Matter and that movement because that is something, especially after the Derek Chauvin case, that is something that is still hot topic, still leads off 
every news thing, like every day when it can, if there's any story related, it's still something that NBA stars are talking about, NFL stars are talking about. Mine is just more relevant, and I think that makes it more problematic because it is the very wrong messages. We're past Donald Trump's not president anymore. I don't need a, a like, a, I mean, I obviously don't need it, but like people don't care about like a Make America Great Again movie. Yeah, sure. When they referenced that in Black Klansman, it was, it was, um, you know, a funny jab, but like that doesn't happen now because, you know, we're just kind of as a culture trying to move on. Um, and I, I think with mine, you have with Gina Carano, someone that is going to continue making movies has said that you have a lot of people that aren't Kevin Spacey is doing these Twitter videos, um, and is gaining recognition and would easily be able to get a movie with this type of production because he would be trending on Twitter. Um, my star. And, but I don't think he would be the star. That's why he's just my police chief. Like he doesn't have that pole, but like Gina Carano is like the new, she's a movie star and she's problematic and we're going to embrace that. And she's just double and tripling down on all of those things. So I think realistically, if you were going to do a problematic movie, she would be the star. Um, And then my um, other people, Louis CK, he's already made his somewhat comeback. And then same with Shane Gillis. Like he's still doing the same podcast that got him fired. He still has his same audience. He talks about cancel culture and all this shit. And you drop that into my movie, and I think it makes sense to make it Beverly Hills. The reason she goes is because she's like, this area, because of, you know, like you said, like the pussification of Hollywood and all these people, and it's Beverly Hills, it's California, it's a very liberal state. I think it makes sense for that being the reason that her version of Axel Foley goes there you can still touch on two that, minutes but it's not the main thing yeah um, but, about the movie because I think I, we're at least a little so past that I think with yours it depends on your interpretation of the rule I believe, <laughs> because as problematic as possible and I think Gina Carano is definitely problematic but if you're going to go even more prob- problematic it is everyone that I have cast so it depends on if like what you want to go with that. But I think that Kevin Spacey as the, as the star is more problematic than Gina Carano. I think that Mel Gibson is problematic for very obvious reasons to be a very main character. You have TJ Miller, who's very recently, you know, in the spotlight for his reasons for being canceled. And then you also have Shane Dawson, who for the Gen Z type or for a lot of that, Johnny doesn't know who that is, but I know that Tristan does. Um, He is a YouTuber who, is very pretty much um, pretty much for the same reasons that Kevin Spacey is canceled is the reason that he would be canceled and making jokes about that subject and a lot of other types of very inappropriate things. And he is very extremely popular, which would be more problematic for the modern audience. Um, and also the, the thing, because Trump could have been uh, elected again, there are a lot of people, unfortunately, that I see on Facebook and on Instagram that, that are still posting the Make America Great Again, that are still doing that. That is still very relevant. I, I disregard your comment of yours is like more or whatever, or mine is not as relevant, but um, that is, mine is very connected to yours, um, unfortunately. In a way, but I think if you look at even so, just like... The, I'm just saying the- on the same, on the level of problematic, I think mine beats yours personally um if you don't think like neither of these movies could probably be made and put out there but we are going to fight for them we're going to fight for them and i think and i could say mine could too but realistically 
No, realistically, like I'll tell you this, Bobby. No. Here's, here's think, my thing. Gina Carano is going to make the next like 10 years of your career are all going to be movies like mine. It's literally working with Ben Shapiro, who's a white supremacist with a, a company. So if you're going to make a super problematic movie, while, you know, I'm not going to lessen the impact on things in this country, but I think the most impactful problematic thing you can focus on is um, racial issues and especially the issues with police in this country. I think that just to a degree, like to an extent, like mine is much more impactful of an issue than TJ Miller, who, you know, like, you know, has an ex-girlfriend accusing him of something like, yeah, that's a problem. But like TJ Miller is not even close to like the level of the, he has multiple things. You are not just, about. it's not just that, but also my, all my other things are way worse than him. Much more impactful thing on it. Yeah. I also think that, you know, we want with as problematic as possible, not, and, and I interpret that too as, I think it's more problematic when a movie you could actually see being made gets made. Yours has no shot at it. Mine might not have the cast that I put in it. It's not going to have Kevin Spacey in it. Um, but so I think you could easily make this movie and with the same director, with the same star, with the same production company, and I could easily see this movie actually coming out and being a, um, a talking point. So I have points, but go for your ruling. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joe, you got any thoughts? <clears throat> so my thing is uh, I'm leaning more towards Johnny just because I feel like his more is like one singular direction. I feel like I, I mean, I, I agree with Johnny, but I thought it before he said it was, it was, it does feel more modern and more um, like current. Where I feel like there is some like people still posting like "Make America Great Again" and all that, but I feel like I I feel like Johnny's is more relevant and as far as like what it's going for, it's like the best version of that in a weird way that I feel weird <laughs> saying. But that's a, yeah, that's weird to say, but I get it. Uh, but yeah, that's my and I, I I my thing with make one as problematic as possible. I interpret that more as like make one as problematic as like you possibly can. But that's neither yeah. here nor there. It's not really There's a reason we got rid of this rule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's All a really right. fun rule for these kind of episodes because you guys both gave us like really entertaining pitches. I think it's a fun rule to pull out like once a season or something for like these random off episodes where we're doing weird stuff. But I, I'm not too concerned about like can this actually get made or not for this particular rule and for a lot of movies, honestly. But for this rule in particular, I'm like, none of these are ever going to get made when you're putting these many problematic people in it. But I am also leaning towards Johnny. I think his not sounds not just more problematic, but it sounds like it covers like more ground of problems. You know, uh, Bobby had a lot of problematic cast, and some of his premises obviously problematic with the Make America Great Again and the Quisification of America type stuff. And I think Johnny also has all of that, but he also brings in Ben Shapiro, he brings in Gina Carano, people who are currently on the debate. Like, and I think. Yeah. When I think of problematic, I don't think of like people who are canceled. Like Kevin Spacey isn't really problematic. He's just like fully canceled. You know, Brent, yeah. Ben Shapiro, Gina Carano, those are problematic people because they have following still, people who are going to be dedicated and see them. And I think that feels a bit more problematic. Your best casting was probably Shane Dawson because I think he has that kind of thing where he has like a big following of people who would show up for the movie regardless and who defend him online constantly. And if you leaned a little bit more into those casting, maybe you would have had it. But 
I'm leaning towards Johnny on this one. I think he covers more problematic ground, which I so, guess is a good thing in this pitch. So if I went with my original casting as Jake Paul as the lead, would that have been better? <laughs> that probably would have been better, honestly. Make it a whole like the worst of YouTube yeah. culture. I was gonna do YouTubers. It was my was my original idea. It was like all canceled YouTubers. Because YouTube movies are always so Andy's, so bad too. What's his name? Andy Signor. Is he was uh, no, it was. I literally wrote down. I had Jake Paul, Andy Signor, uh, um, I, and uh, yeah, and Shane Dawson were the first three I wrote down, and then I went away from YouTubers. I was going on a follow spree on our uh, movie change up Twitter. Follow us at movie change up on Twitter, and I got a suggestion saying, "Oh, do you want to follow Andy Signor?" I was like, "Yeah, no thanks." Yeah, but yeah, we gave it to you, Johnny. I think yours sounds a bit more problematic, and I I think the Ben Shapiro produced movies are going to be something that are actually going to happen. And you know, like he has that one coming out with Gina Carano. He's had one yeah, already. Yeah, she's probably, probably gonna be it. and you probably. know it's going to touch on cancel culture. You know it's going to touch on the police shit. So like. I just kind of embraced what I know is. Yeah, yours almost sounds like a movie that actually might happen in real life. You, you, <laughs> you, know, you right? added an element than what I had for yeah. sure. I, yeah. I, yeah. I was very I not, I, to do this. I don't role. like I making these movies. Like, yeah, I didn't want to go with like, oh well, this, you know, Scarlett Johansson's in blackface and all these things that like, okay, like that's not actually going to happen. Like I went with, this is something that we could see in the next yeah. couple of years. We're going to see yeah, what? Police, We're going to see Gina Carano play a police officer in a Ben Shapiro produced movie in the next like five years probably. And that's going to be an extreme fucking issue because like Tristan said, all these people still have big fucking followings. Yeah. Watch our previous episodes for a movie that I, to watch my version of To Kill a Mockingbird with Scarlett Johansson in blackface. Um, I did Jack and Jill, um, a my problematic movie. I'm so proud of that one. That was fantastic. Even though I beat you, but yours was better (laughs) than my problematic movie. We're on our uh, last one, and Bobby, you lost that one. So, what's our final rule going to be? Well, it's, so he's just choosing who goes first. So. Yeah, we so we both chose the same rule for the same movie. It was um, the I, I I'm gonna go first. Yeah, of course, I'm gonna go first. Um, you can read Popeye. All right, I, I will just say this: we were talking in the group text earlier, and I was basically like scanning. I was gonna make a joke because Johnny said, "Oh, he like had faith behind one." And I was going to find a joke because I was finding, I was going to make a joke and I was looking through, okay, what movie and what rule don't match up at all? And it'd be a funny joke. And I'm realized, okay, none of these match up at all. So then I'm like, okay, what would be the funniest? And then I just said DMX is Popeye. And apparently that's what we got. So, so apparently the three of us run similar thought paths. So Popeye came out in 1980, got a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is about 85% too high. Uh, looking for the, his father, uh, who deserted him as a baby, a sailor named Popeye, played by Robin Williams, journeys to the port town of Sweet Haven. Popeye befriends an assortment of eccentrics and falls in love with Olive Oil, played by Shelley Duvall, who already has a suitor, the bully Bluto. Popeye also, disco- also discovers an abandoned baby, Sweet Pea, whom he raises as his own. But when the spurned Bluto kidnaps Olive and the child, Popeye takes action with the help of his magic spinach. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say neither of you really followed that plot. I, I followed, like, you're not, you're not yeah, I, I followed at least some of it. <laughs> we'll see. All right. But um, so just to go based on our actual, you know, theme of this episode instead of choosing Popeye I was choosing cast only dead musical artists and star DMX so that is the rule that we're doing my director is Rick Famuyiwa who did Dope uh, which was based around 90s hip hop culture 
um, which is kind of what I'm going for. My lead is going to be DMX as Popeye. Um, and he's, and all these people are going to do the soundtrack. So what I, I, I could have said, he does the soundtrack, but everyone does. Um, my olive oil or olive, as she knows, goes by most, most in this name is going to be uh, Lisa Left Eye Lopez from TLC. Um, my Bluto, the villain, is going to be played by Biggie Smalls. Uh, my Jay Wellington Wimpy, Popeye's friend, is going to be played by Tupac Shakur. One of the drug dealers they meet. Um, there, basically, there's a drug deal that goes down, and two of, the char- two of the actors that are in that scene are going to be Easy e and Jam Master J. Um, so it's going to be all hip-hop, um, you know, rap-style uh, Popeye movie. Um, so we have a uh, movie where I, I have mostly descriptions down and then I get into the plot, but whatever. I'll, I'll give you kind of the premise. Uh, they work on a sailboat, this, this group of people, which is DMX as Popeye and like uh, Tupac as, as Wimpy. Um, but they work there and they distribute weed. That is their, their job. Um, and the weed is going to be replacing spinach. They're going to call it spinach. It's going to be their joke because they're sailors and they distribute weed. So they're making all of their kind of inside jokes based on the Popeye kind of premise. So that's why they have those names and this premise alone. Um, so uh, we have them show up into a city in Olive who who DMX meets um, is set to marry someone who they don't know the name of, but they just call Bluto because of their inside jokes with the whole Popeye thing. So they just call him Bluto. Um, but she falls for Popeye when he visits on his boat with his friend uh, Jay, who they call Wimpy because he lost in an arm wrestling battle. And that's a running joke where he doesn't like that nickname and tries to in- introduce himself as Jay. Um, and everyone else says, no, he's Wimpy. Um, when they're about to run off together, Bluto kidnaps her. And they to try to force a wedding. We have now have a fun kind of fast-paced movie like Dope, uh, where Popeye and Jay, also known as Wimpy, are chasing down Pluto and Olive. They um, the nicknames, like I said, are given on the boat, so these aren't the real names, but we get the Popeye kind of connection. Um, they chase down, they chase them to various locations with shenanigans in each one, with Pluto and Olive either not being there or getting away at the last second. They like. Like I said, so they get into a bar fight fight with karaoke night where we get some rapping. Uh, we get a chase through a bowling alley. They get mixed up in a drug deal with Easy Easy E and Jam Master J. Um, like they get mixed up in that because there's a signal for a drop and someone and they think it's actually that someone trying to help them out. So you get a lot of kind of the miscommunication and weird like shenanigans involved. Um, and you get a kind of fun chase movie with rap and uh, and. When you see him take, uh, when he um, takes hits of the weed uh, of the pot, he gets you zoom in on his eyes and you get kind of the expanding of that, and that's him taking the spinach. They refer to it as that, like I said. So he gets in, and his reaction when he gets that is he, he has like better reaction time, like he gets kind of like the opposite of what you should get with it. Um, so it's kind of just a fun playoff of Popeye where. Um, you have people kind of in the movie making fun of the fact that. Yeah, we're kind of like Popeye. We're these sailors, and we have these weed like spinach and all that type of stuff. So that's what I'm going for, and a fun kind of chase movie with him chasing oh, Olive you know, and Bluto. Make fun of their source material. All right, my actors will all be taking it seriously. All right, go for it as they should. Yeah. Okay, so obviously I got the same rule, same movie. 
Can I use a dead director? Is my question. Uh, sure. I, I, I'm I'm either or on I that. Almost, if you, if you, I almost did, so you're fine. I'm not. I'm not. Okay, I'm not faulting Bobby I, I have, that he didn't. I will fault funny. you if you do. I almost I chose. Did. I'll see if you chose who I almost chose. Go for it. Okay, so my director then is um, John Singleton. That's who I thought you were going to say. That's, that's who I was going to pick. That's my, who I my backup director was Rick Fumayawa, Fumayawa who did dope. So mm-hmm. I wanted to go a different direction than Bobby. Yeah, so we're on John a very Singleton. similar uh, mindset. Yeah. I had him written right, down. But I, I think Bobby made a mistake with his movie in a couple aspects. I, I want to really represent... Um, a lot of different styles of people that have passed away. Bobby stuck with hip hop, which we've seen. Um, I, I can't, I, I can't in good faith call Lin-Manuel Miranda movies, hip hop. So <laughs> never mind on that. Um, my Popeye is obviously DMX. My olive oil is the only person who could play olive oil, David Bowie. And <laughs> my, Blu- <laughs> my Bluto is Tupac. And my King Blozo is Prince. And it's going to be a nice mesh of styles between all the pop and rock and, and rap. Um, I was trying to think of someone who could play good olive oil. And honestly, David Bowie, tall, skinny dude, makes sense. He's kind of um, sexually ambiguous. I, I think he, it works. And I want to see a love story between David Bowie and DMX. I think it's something that we were robbed of in, in real life on their time, but something that I would like to exist. So mine is a musical version of Popeye with the blend of rock, pop, and rap style songs. Um, and basically my premise is when Popeye's true love olive oil is kidnapped by his arch nemesis, Bluto, Popeye will stop at nothing to rescue her. You have appearances by um, uh, uh, one of Bluto's henchmen played by Biggie. Um, and you have, instead of them completely like fighting, um, you will have a couple of fight scenes, but they start off with basically different kind of rap battles. And you have DMX and Bluto doing that. You have DMX and, and Biggie doing that. I think that um, is, is kind of a cool twist on Popeye. And you also get the theme song from DMX, which is, I'm Popeye, the motherfucking sailor man. I'm Popeye, the sailor motherfucking man. I'm strong. What? To the finish. Because I eat. What? Me some spinach. I'm Popeye, the motherfucking sailor man. And, you know, that's going to open the movie, and I think that's that's important. Um, you definitely get Very some important. DMX yeah. songs. I already said they there. had that soundtrack, so you yeah, can but insert, insert is, my song. Mine is performed, and Bobby's is spoken, and it's more exciting. Wait, what? When you yell. <laughs> Why do you I know that? <laughs> I just know that you spoke it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying your actual song is. I'm saying my version of the pitch right. sung the song and is better, and you will still have Popeye eating spinach to finish off Bluto. You have him rescue. You have a great DMX David Bowie kiss, and uh, they get married at the end. Okay. They get married at the end. I'm into that. Yeah. I'm cool with it. I, I'm like, I never a... thought we'd end on a DMX starring Popeye movie, <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> So the two we matched up on are DMX is Popeye and Airbud and Poltergeist. Air All right, do you guys have any questions? 
Why? Why did we do this? Why could? What can you question? That's what. Why, that's what I was saying when I was writing these. Yeah. Everyone was Damn. like, "You got to match them up by the rules." No. There's a reason know. these took me a month, and I spent an over. And I finished them an hour ago. Minutes. Well, an hour before <laughs> our episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same. Same. I, I finished three of my pitches today, and I was just like, "I don't." I finished four of them today. I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck do I do with these?" Right. Yeah. Do All right, do we want to just or... put five minutes on the clock and let him go, or do you need <laughs> Yeah, go of... for it, guys. All right, well, I'll All right, start. I'm going to the bathroom Chinese... again. Well, I want to give All one right. thing. Bobby, if you can sing your theme song right now, it might make you win. I... Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, can I uh, – maybe I'll get to that at the end, but let me get to my points before I forget them. Wow, um, so, I, I actually – I actually incorporated Popeye's in years with – on a much better um, – like way johnny actually has he said he eats spinach mine is okay spinach is a nickname for weed and it's a drug deal and it actually makes more sense to actually incorporate it that way i think rip not, rip kamuima it is smokies he's he right but if you're gonna re if you're gonna if you're gonna reinterpret this movie to 90s hip-hop like i'm doing i think that's a smarter way to do it i think that not mashing I, shut the fuck up. If you're not mashing together a million, if you're not mashing together a bunch of genres, like, I think it's much better to stick to the different genres of '90s hip hop because you have Run DMC, which is different than DMX, which is different than Tupac um, and and Biggie, and that's that's all '90s hip hop, and they flow together, but they're different enough that you can differentiate them, um, and I think that's a lot more fun. I think that having someone um, like Lisa from uh, from TLC brings in a different crowd than it would than uh, you know DMX and then Biggie and Tupac and I think that's like I think she's a real a much smarter choice than I think David Bowie who we put oh, in every single yeah. dead musician episode and I think and I think all of them fit much better into to a movie in a singular movie than yours. I don't think so. We've never seen most of your people act. You know, I, I can't tell you that Lefty Lefty Eye is a is a good actress, but I can tell you that David Bowie is a great actor slash actress, and I think he would be great as Olive Oil. I know for sure that Prince can act, and he's in my movie, and he's not in yours, which you should lose automatically from Prince because he's the best um, of all time. And you know, my other thing with it is, is this: I, I want to see the gay romance that we haven't seen before of TMX and David Bowie, even though David Bowie will be playing a woman. So I guess that won't be a gay romance. Yeah. <laughs> but I did, put, by the way, the just really my, my head and quick aside, and quick aside. I, I did put two of the main people who have been in movies, which are DMX and Tupac in the lead roles. And I do have the one that is kidnapped as Lisa, you know, you know, she's, in there enough to yeah, get her personality across that like she's he, kidnapped, and then you have like Biggie Smalls. Has to act, you know, she does. But, but my, my thing is, is this smarter I, I choices? Think, no, I think if Two I'm minutes. going for, if I had the magical wish, if I had a genie and I could make a movie with this rule, I would want more. Um, as much as I love '90s hip hop, you know, hip hop died after the '90s, um, but. I would want a more diverse soundtrack in terms of style of music. And I think my movie provides that well. I think you could have a great um, Prince song of, you know, about how he's the king um, and how he rules the land. And I think you could make an amazing, like when, when doves cry type of song based on that. Um, 
And, you know, I, I think just, I would want, like, if I could get, okay, all these people have passed, but you can get a soundtrack of DMX, David Bowie, Tupac, Biggie, Prince. Like, I'm going to be more excited about that than one that's like Easy e who was never great as a solo artist besides a couple of songs and a few of your guys in your movie that I'm just like, you know, it'd just be kind of redundant to do that. I want more um, of a diverse soundtrack. I think that is kind of the only aspect because I think story-wise, like our movies would be very similar, um, but I think soundtrack-wise is what I really want to go for here. And I want more Prince in my life and I want more David Bowie in my life as well as DMX and Tupac and stuff. And I, I don't really need another easy e song unless it's a reuniting like i wish you know obviously we couldn't cast the other members of um, all right of i get where you're going i, I get where you're going that's I'll really all say, Johnny. that's really all i have to say like i can't really I get fight against yours because it's, it's very similar movies obviously i gotta say johnny just soundtrack's better don't go chasing waterfalls just don't do it you're, you're, but all I, all I i have to say that i do think don't that i can that to fucking better actors in the rule no, and then didn't. also, no, I'm going to get a DMX. Actors. You can't do that. You I'm, can't I'm also going to get better you know, actors when you have Easy E and Big E who, who have been in the movie and, 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 and left by uh, whatever. The and I, I do and think I that as much as I, as I do think for the, I think a director showed that he can make a love letter to 90s hip hop like I like Rick Famuyu did with uh, Dope. And I think that my soundtrack, keeping it in the, keeping it in the same genre, is going to make it a lot more cohesive than yours. That is going to be a little bit more of a mess. And my my theme song with DMX is definitely going to sample the Popeye the Sailor Man original theme song, and they're going to be rapping over the top of it with him and Tupac and Biggie um, and all that. And it's going to be a much better song than what you could put together with your. I mean, some what spinach. <laughs> All right, it's been five minutes. So, yeah, give us your song. No, I can't do a DMX without blowing up my voice right now because I have allergies, so it's not going to do well. But I tried, and then my voice started to give out. So, I think I okay with regardless of the song. I think I I think I made a much better movie with a better director for the actual movie that we made. And Johnny was on the same track because you you mentioned that Dope is a love letter to '90s hip hop, but not a few. Have ever watched dope? Like, no, it's not. What? Yeah, it what? is. The main yeah. characters love '90s hip hop. That's the yeah. entire point. They, of they mention it in that movie, but their band doesn't do '90s hip hop. They're more of a rock group, honestly. Their band is, and then you have like ASAP Rocky, and you have a lot of modern hip hop in the soundtrack. You don't actually have like. It's the it's concept. Not, it's the feel of it. Not, it's the feel it's of not, the movie. It's not like La La Land is a love song to. Old school jazz music. It's, it's, it's the feel. It's, Rick, we I mean, talk I mean, about nineties I mean, music, Ema. but the soundtrack has nothing to do with nineties style hip hop. It's more of a, right. like you know, it's the so feel like, of the movie. You want to talk about that? He was my backup director in case I couldn't use this, so I understand. Like I think right. he could tell this story. We're, fine, we're over, I think yeah, we're over time. We're we over time. Did, we actually did music videos and stuff would be a better choice. We're over time, but the feel of the movie is much more of a love letter, letter to 90s hip-hop than the actual soundtrack, which is way more important. And so. to Dogecoin. <laughs> All right, Justin, that's your call, so. It is my call. Uh, I want to get your thoughts before I make the final call, but I am leaning one way for sure. Yeah, I didn't hear all of the fights, but as far as, like, the pitches and everything goes, like, the acting is probably not going to be great on either side. Uh, but Tupac, I think, was underrated as an actor, and Tupac and DMX were 
uh, Bobby's leads, and I feel like overall his movie sounds slightly more entertaining. Of kind of like Mine the were, those were also my leads. Oh. Whatever. My I leads were, but I was gonna say that David Bowie as Olive Oil is with is. Is uh, it's, it's a direction. I don't know if it's the right it. direction, but it's a it's direction. The right, the right direction. Look, I'm all and, about that. And, and I, I like Bobby's more take on Popeye than maybe like a direct thing on Popeye. I thought that was a more interesting choice and could make for a better movie. So that's where my pick goes is Bobby. Yeah, I'm I'm not totally 100% on one direction. I do think that I liked what Johnny was trying to go for with diversifying the cast a little bit so that you could have a soundtrack that has a lot of different kind of genres and eras and things. But I think Bobby's is more cohesive. And I think making it like a full size love letter to 90s hip hop filled with some of the biggest artists of the 90s. And you have a soundtrack filled with like a 90s hip hop uh, sound and all that kind of stuff. I think I could see like the cultural references and that kind of stuff. It, it seemed, not, neither one of these sound good like at all, <laughs> but that's probably, I mean, that's the rule. And so, I mean, like, you're not going to really make a good movie with this kind of a rule. So I'm leaning towards Bobby here. I think he's, his just sounds a little bit more cohesive, a little bit more watchable and interesting. Something that might live on is like, oh, this one movie that had all these like 90s hip hop stars in it. So I'm going for Bobby on this one, which gives him a repeater rule for whatever I'll we do. Honest, it, it makes sense because I didn't write my pitch. <laughs> I said my I said my shortest pitch was one sentence. No, my shortest pitch was not a single was word. Was you you <laughs> cast movie. And I cast it and I just said things and I, yeah. I uh stand by it. I did type them out before I spoke, but I did not write one going into it. Yeah. Uh, You're gonna give all the excuses in the world, Johnny, but I was in almost the same boat as you on all of these pitches. No, that's fine. I I don't care what scenario we had like whatever we both wasted our time and didn't and put it off but like i'm not mad about losing to this one because i feel like it's fake shit and i'm <laughs> fine with that like whatever like it's just a fake episode and i'm fine with losing like when someone beats me in a real episode that's real movies and movie versus movie instead of rule versus rule all right I'll take that. When that I'll, L I'll shows up on your record, Johnny, <laughs> then it's going to be real next <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't look at that record, but that's fine. I mean, I'm just going to continue right. to win. I'm the champion. Um, and I lost a fake episode. That's fine. All right. So in, in Johnny's defense, he still retains the championship because of how our show yeah, operates and works. Uh, but Yeah, I didn't win that yet. But Bobby just needs to face – I don't know the schedule. Bobby needs to either – beat me or Tristan, whoever he faces next. If he wins that one, uh, he will face Johnny for the championship. Uh, They're Dogecoin. <laughs> wait, Tristan, did you actually like make this during the episode? Yeah, I just made that during the episode. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, that's, that's pretty great. That's I was working on a DMX. Replace the woman, I, I mean, replace the kid with a dog. That's I was trying to get my DMX's Popeye done, but I couldn't get the face right. So I was like, I'll just throw the Poltergeist one up there. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's very good for sure. Uh, all right. All right. So really? uh, Tristan, uh, what what did you think of this episode? There were very few that I would consider my favorite pitches of the episode, <laughs> but what was your favorite pitch of the episode? It's, it's hard to pick a favorite pitch, but I had a good time with this. I mean, the, the matching by the rules was definitely interesting yeah. <laughs> it led to some weird pitches and i think between that and the rules being weird i think we had some fun ones more so than good ones i honestly thought johnny's uh problematic as possible pitch was 
one of the better ones because I think he just really used that rule well, and I think he used it creatively. He used it in ways that I think made sense. That was kind of a good use of the rule there. I don't know how I can say the Gina Carano bunch of hero pitch is my favorite one, <laughs> but that's this kind of episode, I guess. We're in we're in that reality here. I liked the creativity on a lot of these pitches, though. Yeah, I would say my favorite of uh, Johnny's is probably, yeah, the uh, make one as problematic as possible with the Beverly Hills Cop. And then uh, for Bobby, my favorite pitch of his, I think, is the dad Star Trek movie with Tom Hanks is probably my favorite of his. I like the old swashbuckler kind of old school Star Trek aspect. And I didn't say I don't think I said it during my initial selection, but I like the idea of not just doing like Kirk or Picard or like a cast of people we've seen before and mm-hmm. doing new, bringing new characters to it so I like that aspect and so that was my favorite pitch of uh, uh, Johnny as the loser any final thoughts final thoughts rule versus rule maybe is fine if we have real rules but these rules didn't really give you a lot of possibility to make decent films so I was proud of my DC villain one because I feel like that movie was actually good and Bobby's was bad um, I'm proud of my usage of the faith-based film because that rule... That was a good one, too. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was good. But my, my pitch was very good. And, you know, I kind of wanted to go with... Because it's rule versus rule, I focused more on the usage of the rule rather than the quality of the remake of the film. And that's probably why I lost, but I do think I beat Bobby in using the rule more creatively in all of my pitches. Um, and you know, that doesn't always get you the W, but I'm proud of, uh, you know, I, I think my dad movie starring Tom Hanks that takes place in Star Trek without knowing anything about Star Trek, my, my rule choice, um, and usage was better than Bobby's. Um, and my problematic as possible is obviously better. My DC villain rule was better. My faith-based film was better. So, you know, going into it, I was like, I at least have three that are, oh, and my make one a reality TV show is better. So I was like, going into it, at least I used rules better than him. That might not always, you know, work out in my favor. And obviously it didn't today. But I, I feel like I, I did um, no effort but made some good pitches. Uh, and I just happened to lose because, you know, the judges want to see me lose. But that's fine. I, one of you can beat me in a normal episode. I will shake your hand um, <laughs> over Zoom and tell you you did a good job. For this, I, I don't care. It's it's fake. It's fine. Bobby, you know, he just appealed to the judges better than me today, and that's that's fine. You know, that yeah. sometimes that's how you win. Yeah, the great creative Star Trek rule usage where you have a character yeah. named Spock, and that's kind of about where your Star Trek right. usage No, mine was all about intergalactic. It was about the, you know, the actual themes of the show, and Bobby's was like the J.J. Abrams version of Star Trek, which is fake and bullshit and dumb. So that's fine. You know, whatever you guys have here. I'm going to let him rant because I won, so I don't yeah, fucking care. What Bobby, Bobby thinks he won, you know, whatever. But you guys are going to act like you like to see um, people play cards and type over Alex Trebek hosting a game show. So, you know, at the end of the day, like, if I if I put out better things and I just happen to lose because judges are bad, that's fine. You know, whatever. What are you going to yeah. do? I didn't put any effort into this. I didn't write one of my pitches. So, like, if I lose, whatever. I This, honestly, going into it, I was like, for honest reasons, like, even though Bobby also said he was behind going into this episode, I was like, yeah, this is probably the first episode I lose. Um, you know, because I don't count my first loss. But 
this one also has well. a count. But I, <laughs> I do think going into this, this was the only time in the history of the show that I have gone into the episode thinking, I will probably lose. And I did. So, like, you know, what are you going to do? I, I, it's been, I can make all the excuses I want. Bobby won. It is fair and square. We were under the same rules. So I will give you that. I will stop my little bit. But yeah, no, it, between the last few weeks of being extremely busy at work and not wanting to focus on this and then hating every rule choice I had to do going into this episode, I was like, if I lose, I lose and I'll yeah. live with it. So, yeah. you know, going into the next episode, I'll be much more passionate and I'll feel stronger. If I lose when I feel passionate about my pitches, that will when you will see me rant and curse the, the fake heavens. But until the then, heaven's gate. Um, yeah, <laughs> the heaven's, heaven's gate. gate. Um, but until then, no. I, I, I honestly, my heart wasn't in it today, and and that showed because I lost five to two, which is the only time in the history of the show that I will ever lose, um, ever. So. All right, except for that other time you lost. Uh, yeah. Bobby, you. Bobby was the judge yeah. there, so Bobby's just yeah. you know, Bobby out here to try to take me down. Bobby, right, you were well. the. Uh, First time you've ever beat Johnny, how does it feel? Well, in this, I'm sure you've probably beat him in other things. Yeah, no, I beat him in real life for sure. A lot of different ways, but (laughs) (laughs) um, but no. Um, This was was great, Um, especially in our Dragon Ball Z fights down the basement, Johnny. I definitely won some of those, but um, so I I do think that this was a... This was a uh, an, a very interesting episode. I was in a similar boat to Johnny in the it was a very busy time at work where I didn't really have a lot of time to put into this, but I, I felt like I what it came down to is Johnny tried to focus on the rule and I tried to focus on the movie. Um, and I think that made the difference because I yeah. do think that this is a movie pitch show rather than a a rule usage show. Um, and I and I episode. and I think that this um, that made the difference. Uh, I, I really did like Johnny's faith-based movie. That was the only one of his that I was like, that is legitimately better than mine. Even though I made a fun movie, Johnny made an actual good movie. Um, that was the only one that I felt like I legitimately like, okay, that's just a loss. Uh, that was that was the only one I really put effort into because I hated that rule so much yeah. we had to but, make something. Right, but other than that, I think that we, even though like we had similar ideas on two of them and I think I made a better movie on both of those. So I, I take credit for that for sure. Um, and honestly, it's just, it's really good to see Johnny lose because even though he doesn't take credit for either of his losses for different reasons. And I think he's going to do that every time he loses. No, uh, I I feel like it's, 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 um, it's up to Tristan now to beat Johnny so that all of us have done it at least one time. But I think that we, Joe and I both have legitimate, legitimate wins against Johnny now. Well, um, it's, like, it's, like so, the, it's like the home run title in baseball, you know? It's, it's right. legitimate as Johnny, can we mute him for like two yeah. seconds so we can no. close out? <laughs> um, but look, it was a fun episode. It was very different. It was it was really interesting matching up rule against rule, and I think that makes for a very yeah. strange... It's going to be interesting for Johnny and I to, to be the judges next episode because yeah. I think you guys were put in a tough spot judging very different movies with the rules. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how that goes next week. But I'm just happy to get the first win in a long time against uh, my younger brother here. All right, yeah. 
All right, I think that kind of concludes this episode. Next week, it's me versus Tristan, and we're basically a similar concept, except we're doing movies uh, released 85 through 89 with some weird you rules. Guys, we made you guys good rules with good movies. Obviously. Good rules? Okay. Yeah. One of these says, one must be a body-switching movie starring Bane and Captain Jack Sparrow. So look forward to that one next week. We'll really try hard to I had to do here. something to... Yeah. Okay, six of the rules are fun, and that one was a response to the ones we had. We also have one has to start Mads Mikkelsen and be a religious allegory. So, okay, that's a great rule. I don't see what you're doing. Can't right use there. for it. All right, okay. but that's the end of our episode. Have a nice night, everybody. <laughs>